Steve Allen. Morning. I love the idea of having a test to find out if you're gay. This is for the uh, for the Cameroon boxers. It would be an argument, though. I mean, it, 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 it is a fairly straightforward argument that over in the Cameroons, they are, they are tolerant of, of nobody at all, I'm afraid. They don't like same sex. They, 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 they put people in prison. So a load of people have fought over the years that they, they could try it on. But it's how you prove something like that. I've got no idea. Somebody says, you know, I'm, you, you know you, I don't know. I don't know how you prove it. It doesn't kind of work the other way round, does it? You know, if you're a gay person pretending to be a heterosexual person. Oh, wait a minute, I've just thought of a few Hollywood actors. <laughs> I've just thought of people like that. But, uh, that's, that's for another programme, I suspect. We'll worry about that later. Uh, the good news is that they found the couple... Well, they didn't have to find them, actually. They came forward very quickly. And they've convinced them to go public over their 148, £656,000 win on the lottery. And they're going to do it today. There's going to be a press conference at uh, Down Hall. Now, of course, we know Down Hall very well indeed, because that's where Jade Goody got married. Jade Goody got married there in that tacky wedding ceremony to that vile piece of work who spent uh, most of his formative years in prison, that nasty little thug that we all uh, we don't talk about anymore on the programme. And, uh, and I also went there for a wedding, because the parents of my godchildren got married at Down Hall. It's quite nice. It's a bit... It's a bit... How do you describe Down Hall? It's in the middle of nowhere. It's in the middle of nowhere. You, you drive through. It's, it's, re- the, the, it's Hertfordshire, but it's Bishop Stortford. And, um, and you, sort of, you drive down this little... Cu- it's ever so pretty. And then all of a sudden, there's sort of a, a gate you go through. And there you are. You're in a little bit of a driveway. And there's Down Hall. They've got the, the old bit of Down Hall, which is the main house, which is where I stayed. And then they've got the new bit at the back. To be honest with you, if, if, if you are going to stay there, stay in the main house. Why you'd want to be shoved out the back, I've got no idea. But uh, it was nice. It's a very pretty countryside. I mean, really, really pretty countryside. So this couple, presumably, originally said, uh, we don't want publicity for the £148,656,000. And Camelot have said to them, I should imagine, I'm just making this bit up, but this is how I imagine the scenario, because most people would say, I don't want any publicity. And Camelot would say to them, listen, when you've got this amount of money, the chance of keeping it quiet is remote. Somebody somewhere will find out and then they'll make your life a misery. So better that we let's let's go out to Hertfordshire because they come from Suffolk, I think. Uh, Let's do a press conference and that will be the end of it. Because if you remember the couple who won the hundred and sixty one million pounds, they were fine. They were fine. They got their little bit of publicity and nobody's bothered them since. So that's why I think it'll be best that they'll do the press conference today. It'll turn out to, well, I'm hoping it's going to be a nice couple, and they will say we're going to be doing an awful lot for charity, giving away. But it, it's nothing to do with us. It's not our, our business. It's only of interest to see what they look like. If they're, if they're chavs, we're not going to like them at all, are we? We're going, if, they, if they turn up in tracksuit bottoms, we're going to absolutely loathe them, which is the way that Louis Walsh has described to Lisa. He says she is a chav. Well, of course she's a chav. She's already freely admitted she's a chav. What that makes him, I don't know. But he was, again, doing one of his outspoken interviews, which are never that outspoken. It's, he just comes up with stuff. I bet he phoned her after and said, I've just described you as a chav. And she went, yeah, I thought it was really funny, like, Louis, thank you. Because it's not going to make any difference to her. And, um, and the rest, as they say, goes down in history. So today you will see the couple from Down Hall, and they'll be sitting there blinking under the glaze of the cameras, and people will be having a drink going, it's fantastic, you've got all this money. And, uh, and then people will leave them alone, which is how it should be. Which is how it should be. You know, how, how they choose to spend their money, the swine, uh, is entirely up to them. I'm not bitter or jealous or anything like that. I couldn't care. I just wished it had been me. It's just kind of ruined the fantasy for the next week or so. It doesn't matter, though, does it? Anyway, 
I trust... Oh, sorry, my little phone's uh, having a bit of a go this morning, all by itself. Texting a friend of mine back, who's quite clearly not sleeping this morning. Oh, dear. You know, yesterday I developed that cough again, and I had to tweet yesterday saying the blasted thing came back again. And so I got inundated with, uh, with tweets from other people on, uh, on what you could do to stop the cough. And so I've got on the honey again this morning. I had a cup of coffee. I don't know what it is that sort of that brings it on, because at the beginning of the programme, right now, it's fine. Sat in the car this morning, had a little cough, but nothing particularly special. And uh, yesterday, everybody was ill yesterday. Was it a date? You know why? It was blooming close. I mean, it was, it was really not nice, not nice weather at all. It was, it was just horrible. Um, yes, you're probably right on that one, Warren. Yes, I think so, too. I think so. Does your mother know you're out, I think, is the, is the song title for that person. But uh, yesterday, so close, clammy, horrible. Didn't get on with it at all. In fact, uh, it, 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 it turned out that all the people I bumped into yesterday, in fact, that some of them were hotter than I was, and I suffer really badly in the heat. So yesterday I was sitting there thinking, oh, God, this is too hot. Too hot. So I, ph- I phoned a friend of mine out and said, is it my imagination or is it really clammy? They went, no, it's really clammy, and it's going to get worse this week. So yesterday I then phoned another friend of mine who works here in the building, and they didn't get back to me. Normally they get back to me immediately. And they didn't get back to me. And then eventually, after a few hours, I got a, a text message saying, I'm, I'm not at work today, I'm really ill. And I thought, you know, it's doing the rounds. It is absolutely doing the rounds now. And so if you're feeling a little bit under the weather this morning, if you're feeling as though, you know, you can't really be bothered to do anything, then you've probably got this little virus which everybody's got. And it means that you feel a bit, just feel weary. And there's, and there's nothing you could do about it. You just stay in, put your feet up, watch rubbish television, Listen to LBC and drink loads of water. And that's the only thing. I can't think of anything else. What did I have to eat yesterday? I was going to have salmon again. For some reason, I decided to omit salmon from yesterday's diet. You know when you get in the mood for eating certain foods? And now, because one of our lovely young ladies in the office um, has, uh, has decided to go to see the doctor. She's not to eat any more bacon rolls. That means I'm not eating any more bacon rolls either, because I thought if, if there's no point in sitting there annoying somebody when you're sitting there with a bacon roll eating it in front of somebody. So it's, it's going to be smoked salmon and scrambled eggs, I think. And I've got smoked salmon in the fridge today, so I'll, I'll have something healthy like that. She can't eat fruit either. Not eating porridge. That's rubbish. Porridge is rubbish food. But uh, I thought there's no point. So I thought, no, it's, it's good for us not to eat bacon rolls. It's going to be, you know, it's, it's so dull. You know when you go to the doctor and they go, right, to make yourself better, you need to eat this, 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 this. And uh, for me, luckily, they haven't said too much to me because I'm not, I'm not in too bad a shape. I can get myself from A to B. But when you're feeling under the weather, you look, they, they, they do in prep, they do a mozzarella and tomato croissant thing. Really, really calorific. Really calorific because it's that flaky pastry stuff. And, you know, and mozzarella, I mean, it's, it's just it's rubbish, isn't it? <coughs> it's what I call comfort food. But at this time of the morning, anything's come. I could eat a lambuna now, or I could eat anything, actually. I could absolutely eat anything. <laughs> and a friend of mine, he says, um, he's doing all his paperwork on the computer. He's going to Miami tomorrow. And, oh, God, the heat in Miami. Can you imagine how hot it is in Miami? Some people don't feel it. I saw a bloke walking through Twickenham and he had a jumper on. A jumper. And you start asking, perhaps some people don't feel the heat. Perhaps some people don't feel it. I sometimes sit in the car and put the air conditioning on if it gets too hot. If I'm walking about, I'm thinking, oh, because nobody wants to see somebody walking in front of them down the road with a damp patch on their shirt, do they? And so yesterday I had sort of one of my days. I got back and uh, I didn't feel 
didn't feel a hundred percent. You know, you get to that stage where you you sort of you're, you're you're sort of twixt the devil and the deep blue sea, and I couldn't quite work out if I was going to be ill, if I had been ill, or if I'm in the middle of it. I didn't I didn't know. I just you know I wanted to get in, and nothing appealed to me. No no sort of food. <laughs> Lots of paperwork apparently from a friend of mine, Warren. So uh, have a nice. I bet your garden's looking so so at the moment. My garden at the moment. The hanging baskets. You know when you look to them, and hanging baskets have a sh- what I call a shelf life. You can tomorite them, you know, till the cows come home. And eventually, after they've used up all the nutrients in the soil, it's just not happening anymore. So I water them yesterday. I'm looking at them. And what they tend to put in a lot of hanging baskets is fuchsias. And what do fuchsias do? Drop those blasted flowers all over the place. And they're lovely. They really are. But they seem to attract slugs. Where these slugs come from, I have no idea. We're so high, it's almost like a rooftop garden. Oh, thank you. It's like a rooftop garden. And um, and they just... Slugs are up there. Now, do birds bring them up there and drop them? Or are they in the soil? Because at the moment, I'm, I'm literally, you know, out there trying to do everything. Um, he said, uh, my garden at the moment, the hanging baskets... Your new look to them in hanging baskets... You can write... Who's this one? Who's Warren? This is... It's the fuchsias. Yeah. Oh, is this... Oh, this is... Oh, how strange. I've just discovered a feature on my phone. You know, I've just repeated that thing there. And, uh... It's... It's it's done predictive text while I've been talking. And it's... It's transcribed it. That's quite clever, isn't it? I've just looked... So I, I could send you this, uh... Warren, and it's just everything I've just said... Everything I've, I've looked at, it, I thought, where's that come from? It's me talking, and it's copied it all down. I'm taking all that away straight away. <laughs> all that repeated. I wonder. I wonder why a friend of mine was sending me a text about his slug problem and him saying I'm so high in the air and my hanging baskets are dropping. I'm thinking, what the same as? How can this be the same as mine? I'm doing. I'm doing text on there. Twenty nine degrees in Miami at the moment. Warren could reach thirty three later on today. Have a nice flight. <gasps> it's all right when you're up there, isn't it? It's okay when you're wandering about. So I'm off to America later in the year, uh, in September, off to Las Vegas, Las Lost Wages, Nevada. I love it. I like it out there. But by God, it's hot. By God, it's hot. So at the moment, hang, go back to hanging baskets. So I'm watering them, and it's there's 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 one of them which is doing really really well. And I'm assuming because it's got geraniums in and stuff like that, and it doesn't have any fuchsias. The fuchsias seem to attract all all the bumblebees, so I don't mind that. That's actually a good thing because there's loads of Twickenham honey available at the moment, and um, and the rest of it. And I said to Mr. Vizino, who's our cleaner, I said I, I, I don't think they're going to go. He said maybe, maybe two weeks, Mr. Allen. Maybe two weeks. Maybe because in the end, I have to say to him. Now, Mr. Vizino, remove the basket. So he, he takes them all home, bless his heart, and he then he takes them apart and he rescues plants. I think he's running a nursery because he's certainly a little bit more green-fingered than, uh, than I am. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> flu jabs soon. Is it flu jabs soon? Is it, is it flu jabs f- soon? Well, I do hope so. Because at the moment, I'm sure my, uh, my, my, my flu jab has worn off from the other year. I don't know how long they're actually supposed to... Uh, to last. But I did say, I don't know, I said yesterday, because I'm top of the uh, the pile for people at risk from uh, from flu, we don't want that, so uh, now, snow in three months, says Warren. <laughs> Do you know, I, would, I was looking at some pictures on my phone of the snow that we got this year, and it made me laugh, because we got tons of snow, absolutely tons of it, and I remember looking at it on my phone thinking, Do you know, it, it doesn't really seem possible, does it, that we could be knee-deep in the stuff. 
Go to bed, for God's sake. <laughs> go to bed now. Uh, so I've got to go through the papers, and we're going to take your texts and emails. 84850stevedlbc.co.uk. And don't forget, you can also follow me on Twitter, which is at Steve Allen Show. It's all fairly straightforward. This is LBC Nightation with Steve Allen. Company. 18 minutes past four. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Ridiculous. Joyce says, try leaving off the lemon juice for a while. I haven't had lemon juice for a while. I bought some the other day. I bought some Colombian lemon juice. What the dickens is that like? Uh, the idea of finding out if somebody's gay is put them in a gay bar and see if they start sweating, says Daz. I don't think that really helps in this day and age, does it? They might have just got the heating on or something. Um, uh, Jan says, you're going to give up bacon rolls. You've told us many times you don't eat bread. Rolls, not bread, then. Ah, right. Oh, no, I do eat bacon rolls. Oh, Lord, some, oh, some days we go berserk on bacon rolls. Oh, God, blimey. Can't even, and slugs can climb vertical walls, by the way. And I discovered this the other day because I was watering and I looked, and it was, it was in the early hours of the morning, and I, and I looked down and I thought it was, it was sort of like half a log. And it turned out to be a slug. And so I sort of gently moved it with my foot. Because if I've got the time, I will go back with a plastic bag and I will, oh, start up, and I will pick up, I shall pick up some, uh, Pick up uh, slugs, and I drop them into a little plastic bag with a little bit of salt. And, uh, and that kills them. I'm terribly sorry, I'm afraid. I am a murderer of slugs. I can do the same with pigeons as well, if I get three or four of them under the wheels of the car. That's generally quite effective. And, um, and so I'm watching this slug, and as I watched it, it started crawling up the wall. And I thought, they're very... And, they, and quite rightly, quite rightly, they do climb, Jan. They do climb. I know during the daytime they rest underneath pots because they can get themselves really flat. So you lift up a pot. It's no good just seeing if they're sitting there. You've got to lift the pot and turn it a bit so you can see if they're clinging to the underneath. But they're everywhere, and some of these are really well-fed. Very, very well-fed. So uh, they have to go, I'm afraid. They have to go. And we have to kill them. We don't like slugs. Years ago, gardeners never bothered with all the stuff you get nowadays. They used to put down broken eggshells. Because slugs don't like a rough surface. But to be honest with you, I don't eat that many eggs, so there's no point in doing anything like that. So what I end up doing is, uh, is picking them up. If I, I couldn't pick them up with my bare hands. Oh, God. Why does nobody have pet slugs? Oh, there was one. Didn't Baldrick have one in Blackadder? And he used it as a moustache. And he stuck it underneath. It, oh, dear, they're horrible. Horrible things. And they eat everything and they, they kill off baskets because they can climb vertically. Tom says, I've had a cold in the summer for the last three years, but I know the cause, air conditioning. But over here, you can't live without it. Well, it's, it's rapidly becoming the norm here. I remember going to, I went to stay with a friend in Florida a few years back, and I went to one of these shopping malls, or malls, and, and, and it was absolutely icy cold, because it was so blooming hot outside. The moment you stepped outside, it was like a wall of heat. It was deeply, deeply unpleasant. For me, it was unpleasant. I couldn't breathe. I felt like having one. I needed, needed one of these things that you clamp over your face, and and you go in the shopping mall and it's it's icy cold, and that's how they live. And they've got the air conditioning at home. You can New York in the middle of summer is vile. Rome anywhere near summer is vile, mainly because it's uh, it just gets so stiflingly hot. I mean, I used to laugh at seeing people walking around with with water bottles and stuff like that. Now I don't think it's mad at all. If I'm going to the theatre, it's the first thing I take: little bottle of water. Some people bring them in here and they fill them up from the taps because we've got filtered water through the taps. So they bring their own little bottle in and they fill it up. And um, 
And that seems to serve a purpose. I'm, I'm told, though, that the water is, is contaminated because of a plastic bottle. It's only if you've got glass bottles that it doesn't get contamination. But you shouldn't really keep filling a water bottle up from the tap. And the one, and the one thing you shouldn't do is because some people hold it right underneath, whereas they've had that plastic bottle in their mouth and they're touching the underneath of the tap. So I was trying to discourage that. Um, but it's, it's, it's good. It's good. Lots and lots of water, good for you. And if you're going to sit on the tube in this weather, why then... Do you know, if I was running the tube, it'd be different in London. I'd have water dispensers on all the stations. I would make it compulsory that every other shop has a water bowl outside for dogs in this weather. All it t- You can go and buy a cheap thing from Poundland. For a pound, you can get a nice metal bowl, and you put it out... A friend of mine, he has a dog. And um, every morning, he does the same. He puts the water out... And the food out, the dog has its breakfast, always at the same time. You don't start there. You know, dogs will eat anything if you put it down. On this particular day, he said he, he, he puts the food out, but he'd forgotten that the dog's water bowl was in the dishwasher. He said because every week he washes the bowl. It goes for a week, then he puts it in the dishwasher. I don't know whether that's good or whether that's bad. And uh, on this particular day, he said, so I, I put the food out. He said, it never crossed my mind about the water. He said, and then later in the afternoon, tea time, he said, I put the food out again. He said, again, I didn't think about the water. He said, in the end, this poor dog went nearly 24 hours without any water. He said, it got to the stage, when he put the food out the next day, the dog turned its nose up. And he suddenly looked down and thought, he's had no water. He's had no water. And so that's why I think in this, in this hot weather, it's a nice thing. There's a, there's a few people do it around, around Twickenham. You just put a metal bowl outside with some tap water in it and dogs can have a, can have a drink. It's like we walk around, we go, oh, they could get a nice lolly. Or they could get some water. Dogs can't do that. They don't have little purses and can't wander into Poundland and go and buy this stuff. So it would be an act of kindness, wouldn't it? In fact, actually, even if you're a householder and you're on a street, you could put a bowl outside your gate. With just a little sign, you know, for your doggies or something like that. People should do it. Very good. 84850, uh, Dawn went to see Russell Brand. Now, you see, Dawn and I don't see eye to eye on Russell Brand at all. She thinks he's hilarious. At one point, apparently, she had tears streaming down her face. But that's conjunctivitis for you. And uh, she thinks he's brilliant. She says, normally, when I see a comedian, I don't laugh out loud. But with Russell Brand, he doesn't tell jokes. He just, he does, you know, life situations. He came on to Michael Jackson's song, Bad. His show was like your stage show in some ways. He'll start off a story and then go off on a tangent and then come back to the original story. That's what my shows are like. My shows are terrible. I mean, I, I, I go out there on stage and I start off with all good intention and I start talking about something and, I, I, and then I kind of wander off because I think of something else. And then people go, Can you, Steve, what was that story you were telling? And I'd have to go back to it because I can't remember half the time. But uh, very good. I didn't see his uh, performance on the Olympic closing ceremony. We did, um, we, we, we did have a number of people who said it was awful. She said, I'm still not sure why you dislike him. I just can't stand him. In fact, I just cannot stand him. I don't get him. I don't understand anything about him. I just think he's, you know, I, think, I, I look at him and I think, don't ever do drugs, Stephen. Don't ever do drugs. You don't ever want to end up like Russell Brand. And I never forgave him for the filthy phone call. I'm sorry, I cannot, I just cannot forgive on something like that. I am like an elephant. I never forget. And I do hold a grudge for almost the whole of their lives, I'm afraid. <laughs> the warm-up guy was Mr G. Um, I think I've heard of Mr G before. I'm pretty certain I have anyway. But uh, hard to review the show, she says. All very random. He also sang the first song which he performed at the Olympic ceremony to us, requested by the audience tonight during the Q&As, and the theme from Only Fools and Horses. In connection with the story he told, he knew all the words to that. So there you go. 
He's 37, he's been clean for 10 years. I know, well, it might be marvellous, but, you know, if you don't like somebody, you don't like somebody. You can't, nothing that anybody will ever do will ever change my mind, I'm afraid, on him. But uh, at least you like him, so that's all that matters, isn't it? Nobody, nobody really worries about it. Uh, 84850, and uh, one here says, you're so right, clammy. I've happily trotted about all over the globe in dry heat, but humid, draining, landlocked Wiltshire, no breeze. Awful. You're quite right. I thought a flu jab would always protect from the strains of flu it was made to combat. We need a jab each year to keep up to date with the new strains. Yes, because it learns, doesn't it? Because it's a virus. And that's why there is no cure for the common cold. Because as fast as they actually bring out all sorts of interesting cure. And it doesn't matter. People say vitamin C. Vitamin C to stave off a cold. And Michael Van Stratton, LBC's alternative uh, health medicine man for donkey's years, always used to say to me, Steve, he said, the amount of vitamin C that you get in an orange would do nothing at all. If you want to stave off vitamin C, you'd need to eat an entire grove of oranges. You'd need that much orange juice. Uh, 84850, steve at Let's have you a quick look in the paper today. They've got uh, the Daily Mirror picture of the Spice Girls. Everybody looking really happy. Except Miss Misery again. There's not a picture of her smiling with any of them. I think because she does, I think because when she smiles, she gets loads of really bad wrinkles. And I think poor old Vic's worried about stuff like that. Uh, there's more on Tia Sharp in the paper. You don't want to know about it. If you want to read about it, you can read about it. It's not pleasant at all. Um, plus, they've got... And I'll tell you, I don't like this girl either. I, don't, I was talking to somebody in this building the other day, and they'd, I'm a bit bored with Victoria Pendleton who now says, now I can dress like a girl instead of wearing men's tracksuits every day. Oh, shut up, you dreary old back. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody cares. If that's what your, your, your career is, then fine. But, you know, it's, don't, don't start dissing things like, you know, now I can dress like a girl. You look like a girl before, dear. You had full makeup on, by the look of it. So I'm assuming that makes you a girl. Uh, there's also... Um, there's lots of really depressing stories in the post. I don't want to bring you depressing stories. I want to bring you the story of the jobless refugees living on benefits. Here they are. This is Manal Mahmood and her seven children who were given a three-bedroom house uh, owned by this woman. It must, it's worth about £1.25 million. It's... Uh, <coughs> I don't know where it is, actually. Uh, somewhere in, in a West London street. It had a £76,000 facelift. And this vile old bag and her children trashed it. They trashed it. What ungrateful little gits they are, ladies and gentlemen. The uh, the police have been called numerous times, and uh, the neighbours call them the family from hell. I mean, quite clear, this woman is vile. Absolutely awful. Victorian tiling on the driveway has been smashed up. Wallpaper's peeling off and the carpet is threadbare. I mean, how ungrateful do you have to... Do you know, if I, you know, if I was a less less rational person, I'd want to go in there with an armoured troop carrier, drag the whole lot of them out, stick them in a plane and send them back where they came from. These people just don't deserve it, do they? There's, li- there's stuff dumped. Her son parks on a disabled bay outside. He's not disabled, of course. Her other son's in prison for drug dealing. There is, they're such a grateful family. She's never worked. She, uh, she fled the fighting in Palestine. She said, I deserve to live in a nice house and get benefits in this country. It's our right to live here. I haven't enough money to fix up the house. I only have my benefits. But uh, they're going to evict them. Kick them out. What an ungrateful old bag you are, madam. What an ungrateful old bag. As far as I'm concerned, people like you just don't deserve anything that this country has to offer. There's so many nice people here, and we bend over backwards. And you, you old bag, you sort of treat us like this. Terrible. Terrible. 
Uh, oh, we'll come round to Saddam Hussein's buttock a little bit later on this morning. I don't want to miss that one on the programme. Hello. Ooh, matron. And there's a picture of David Beckham. Oh, not David Beckham. I'm always so bored with the Beckhams. I don't want anything to do with the Beckhams at all. And, um, and how much is the gear in your handbag worth? There's a woman here who was quite surprised to discover that when she took everything out of her handbag, and you ladies do buy a lot of handbags. I've watched QVC recently, and all they seem to flog is tat bags, Lulu Guinness bags, 259 pe- You must have more money than cents. What's the matter with a good old 10p Marks and Spencers bag for life? When it wears out, you just go and get and they give you another one. I've never tried it, so I'm assuming it works. I've never ever... T- I've always bought one. I should say, actually, my last one broke. Can I have another one? Because that's what it's supposed to be, isn't it? Bag for life. But no, you prefer going to QVC and buying these ridiculously expensive bags. So inside your bag, how much do you think everything is worth? This lady here, a recruitment consultant, Amy Hind, who comes from Cambridgeshire, was shocked. I'll tell you what in a minute. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Time now, 4.30. With Steve Allen. If you start exercising in your 50s, you're going to stave off a heart attack. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it, actually. Work up to it slowly. Anyway, so here, here are these ladies. And, uh, and they've all got... Now, most of you ladies have got big handbags. It's only elderly ladies have normal things in there. A compact, an emery board, a penny for the toilet and a packet of chewing gum. Everybody else has got loads of stuff. So they said to her, how much do you think you've actually got in your bag? And so she says, um, £500 worth? £500? Anyway, so they go through it. So she's got a Ted Baker bag, which cost her 70 quid. Which seems, I suppose, quite, I don't know how much bags cost, but it seems quite reasonable, I suppose. Calvin Klein perfume, £25. Ted Baker pink purse, £70. So she's got a bag, and she's got the purse as well now. Uh, mugshot cheese pasta. What the hell is that? No idea. If she keeps that in her handbag. Dove deodorant. Dove deodorant? Don't you ladies... You don't take out deodorant, do you? Good Lord. We just, us blokes get up in the morning and we go, tss, tss, and it lasts for 24 hours. You don't need to sort of take more deodorant out with you. Anyway, she's also got an umbrella, an iPhone, an iPad. Ah, that's how it's racked it all up. She's got an iPhone and an iPad in there. And uh, then she's got Mac makeup, Mac blusher, Bare Minerals makeup brushes, Estee Lauder mascara, Rimmel lipstick, eyeliner, Mac lipstick. She seems to, she quite clearly... For a, a recruitment consultant, she can't, she can't pack anything at all. She's duplicated loads of it. She's got a nail file, hay fever tablets, Elemis makeup bag, and she's got all this rubbish makeup. You know, you don't need this much makeup on you. You really don't. I bet if you went through Gloria Honeyford's handbag, you wouldn't find anything like that. Then they've got another woman. So anyway, it, anyway it's worth £1,260. But bearing in mind, 900 of that is made up with the iPad and the iPhone. There's a student. Uh, Keza, Keza Cox, who comes from Kings Langley, and uh, her, her, her guess is 60 quid's worth of stuff in a bag, and she's actually got just under £300 worth. And then there's another woman here, a support worker, a mum of three, Catherine, from Suffolk, and uh, she thinks it's worth £100 in her bag, but her real value is 995 I mean, she must be incredibly stupid as a support worker. She's got an iPhone in there. Well, what does she think they're worth? A penny or something? It's worth £400. Sunglasses, 150. Her, her guess was 100. She's either got very, you know short-term memory, or she's completely barking mad. She's another one who carries deodorant. Four pounds worth. Chloe Perfect. Everybody does. Wait, it's this other woman. She's got Body Mist Vanilla, Body Shop Vanilla Body Mist, Maybelline lip gloss, hairbrush. Yeah, she's in one with a hairbrush. 
but she doesn't have. She's got twenty pounds cash. She's all this woman here has got a spare pair of knickers in her bag. Plus painkillers. Not at all surprised. Chewing gums and mint, and then fifty pounds in her purse. But she doesn't have any uh, any sort of deodorant. Whereas most of the others seem to have deodorant with them. Lip gloss, mascara, foundation, eyeliner. God, I mean, it's like these ghastly women on the train in the morning who sit there troweling on. I want to say to each and every one of them, you know, you don't look any different now you've troweled it on, dear. You should have left it off. Sitting there, honestly. I feel like I've, I so want to do a sketch on the television where somebody sits there doing their makeup. And you could, have, you could literally go on every train and there they all are. People sitting there doing their makeup or sitting there reading their Kindle. Everybody's doing something, aren't they, on a train? Nobody's just sitting there staring out the window, except me. I stare out the window and watch the world go by. I always look at Pimlico plumbers on the left-hand side as I'm going out Waterloo, because at Christmas time they have their roof covered with all sorts of flashing things. <laughs> often think, that's quite nice, I, I, I could go for that. She's got contact lenses, headphones and a notebook. A notebook? She's got a phone with her. What do you want a notebook for? So apparently most of you have, have got with you uh, a, few, uh, a few hundred pounds worth of stuff. The producer's got an iPhone, lunch... A book, diary, pens, about eight for some particular reason. I mean, she's shoplifting on a massive scale, as you can imagine. Eight pens. Makeup, including deodorant, mascara and eyeliner. Wasted in this building. Uh, oyster. Oyster? Oh, an oyster card. She's actually just got oysters in there. A purse and Ray-Ban sunglasses. She says men should carry deodorant. What for? Where? Where are we supposed to carry? What, little, little man bags? Uh, there was a lovely picture in the paper. It might be today. No, it was yesterday, I think. And it was Wayne Rooney coming back through the airport. And he's got the girliest bag with him. And the trouble is, because he's so chav, he just looks ridiculous carrying his bag. You'd love to go through it and go, come on, Wayne, what have you got there? What have you got to do there? Come on, Wayne, show us. You know, you just want to wait to see, don't you? But, uh, so that's it. So if you're going through your bag later on today, you'll all be doing it at home. You'll be going through it. And you won't just have one bag, will you? You'll have loads of bags at home. You'll have different bags for different occasions. Men don't have the luxury of bags. They do abroad. In Europe, people don't, don't, people don't bother about man bags. Because when I was in Vienna, to be honest with you, if you smoked and you had a wallet, I mean, I live with carrier bags. I mean, I'm really pathetic. I live with carrier bags. I put all my stuff... I do have... I've got two beautiful leather bags at home, but I've filled them up with stuff. I need to actually clear all the rubbish out, put it, put it to one side, and then just put a few things in. But I can't make it stay on my shoulder. I've got, I've got a big strap, and I, and I look really butch with it. But I walk down the street, and, it's, and I'm thinking, it's rubbish in here. What have I got all this stuff in here for? So I tend to bring carrier bags in. And in my carrier bags, in fact, I was getting, I've got my car keys, two hankies. <laughs> two, two hankies. <laughs> Pathetic. I get through loads of hankies. I never used to. All of a sudden, I've got an obsession with handkerchiefs. You know, proper handkerchiefs. Linen handkerchiefs. I buy them in M&S. And I wash them and fold them nicely. I'm quite, I'm quite good like that. And, uh, and then I've got my insulin. So I've got to carry needles. And uh, then I've got my wallet. Then I've also got to carry my oyster cut. I've just got so many bits and pieces. It's just rubbish. Rubbish. And I had to bring some stuff in today for, for James O'Brien. I was telling him about this thing that my producer bought me some time ago. And it's to go in the bath. And it's for kids. And what you do is you, you fill the bath up. And then you empty this packet of stuff in and it turns the whole bath water into gunge. And so kids can split. And it's, it's completely safe. I forget what it's called now. Something about baff. Graf baff or something. Anyway, whatever it is. And you, you, you pour this stuff in and so the kids can splash around in gunge. It's like being in jelly. So they'll really enjoy it. And then to get rid of it, you just empty this other packet of stuff in and it vanishes. Which I think is quite good. 
And they now do it in bubblegum flavour. They do it in all different flavours. And I had some at home, so I said to James O'Brien, I'll bring it in for, for, the, for the kids, and you can try it in the bath. He went, oh, right. Because he, he strikes me as the person who wouldn't spend money on things like that. Whereas I'm always looking for unusual presents. My producer uh, was very good at buying unusual presents. So I, I just kind of followed on the... Uh, Followed on the train, I'm afraid. <laughs> I just like buying these unusual things. And people say, and I, bu- I bought a toilet light as well, which is very useful for children, who, when they go to the bathroom to use use toilet, they can see if the seat's up or down. And they're only about sort of seven quid now. They've actually come down in price. Down in price. Malcolm says, my sentiments are with you, as far as Russell Brand is concerned. What he brought to the ceremony, I cannot comprehend. Uh, I agree, says Steve. Russell Brand, who is he and what does he do? Uh, Jan doesn't like him either. He needs a good wash. <laughs> and uh, Steve, don't hold back. Apparently some people have gaydar. They can use that to check if the boxers are gay. No, I'm, I'm not saying the boxers are gay. I'm saying that they could use that as an excuse. So they don't have to go back there. Because otherwise you're going to end up with the whole country over here. Um, the winner of Big Brother. Have they done Big Brother? Have we had the winner of Big Brother already? Has that been finished now? Was it? Uh, which, who won it? Do we know? Wasn't that ghastly Luke A, was it, or something? Oh, dear. Oh, was it? Oh, how awful. How awful. That's another one. Well, actually, it was strange enough. I've been through all the papers today and no mention at all of Luke A. Kevin the Milkman says slugs and snails are particularly partial to notes in milk bottles. Many times I've had to work out between the uh, folds in the, new, new, in the paper what the original message was. They love checks, too. Must upset the bank's computers as they go through really close this morning. It's a good job I've got the shorts on, eh? Oh, he's not wearing his shorts. Oh, God help us. Milkman in shorts, eh, Kevin? But slugs and... I don't think people left notes in milk bottles. Do they still do that? I used to. Two pints today, please, Milko. Oh, but my, my Milkman used to be very good. When I used to finish in the early hours, I used to finish at five and I'd get home. Just literally, by the time I got home, about quarter past six, the Milkman turned up. And he'd bang on the window and he'd go, Do you want any bread today? And I'd go, yeah, clean. Because I don't know why you talk like that through a window. And so I ended up with sort of... And then he, I said, what else have you got in the... Uh, and he said, I've got bacon. I said, I have bacon then. So I used to get bacon and bread and butter and milk and orange juice. And before you know where you are, you've done a weekly shop from the milkman. Which was great. I love it. But I didn't know that slugs and... Because they're going to be everywhere, aren't they? Going to be everywhere. Uh, Patricia says, Miami in August. Mental. Yes. Very, 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 very hot. And uh, one who says, you talk about the same Russell Brand that looked like someone who just gate-crashed the Olympic closing ceremony. I was a bit slightly upset by the fact that George Michael was allowed to plug his new single. It's the Olympic Games. You know, and and you knew that he was plugging it because the moment he'd finished, his publicist tweeted, oh, the sensational... And you think, oh, come on. Mind you, we'd all do the same. We'd all do the same because it's, it's such a great opportunity, but it was shameless plugging. Shameless plugging, and I don't think anybody else did it, did they? Much. Uh, somebody here who says, I'm off to Blackpool for a few days. I've been there tens of times. I love it. Good, good. I don't think you should be listening to this programme. I don't think it's for you. Wait a minute, I'll, I'll, do, it. I'll do it for you. What, mate? What are you doing? There you go. They'll, they'll be happy now. The feel as I've spoken to them in their own language as they head up there to Blackpool. It's great, isn't it? But I love Blackpool. It's great, isn't it? Remember I went up there some time ago to a convention, and there were these... Let's politely call them chavs standing on a street corner. And I walked, I must have stood out like a sore thumb. Admittedly, the high heels and the blonde wig didn't help and the feather boa. But as I walked past them, one of them went, Oh, mate. A bit like that. Oi, mate. I said, Yes. He said, You tell me the way to Amarillo. And I went, Um, I think it's up there and it's left and then it's first on the right. Well, of course, he wasn't quite prepared for that because he was a bit thick. And so I went, Yeah, right. And I walked on, I thought, 
Well, I won't, I won't tell you what I thought, actually. Ah, uh, dear. 84850stevenlbc.co.uk. Here's, uh, it's a, a football. His name is, is it Debril Sissé? Sissé? He, he, Sissé. He does look a bit of a Sissé, because he's wearing a skirt out on the town. Uh, he was wearing knee-length creation, a pair of Dr Martin's boots, to celebrate his 31st birthday with teammates at London Club Whiskey Mist. Isn't 31 a bit ancient to be going out to a London club, really? Only a bit past it. Cissé. Oh, right. He's, I mean, he, he looked a little bit well the worse for wear. It's, uh, it's a Givenchy item. It'll set you back more than £1,000. Only proving what I've said all the time, that footballers are real sissies, aren't they, nowadays? Some of the clothes they wear, good Lord. Not good, not good at all. Um, a thief who burgled his mum's home told cops aliens made him do it. They're all out there, aren't they? I tell you, they're all out there. You can't, you can't get away from some of these people. They, they are barking mad. They turn up in the newspapers. They sit there, they turn up on the television programme, some of them presenting. Which is even funny, I can't wait to see what we're going to get with Anthea Turner. The funniest thing ever. I mean, I'm, I'm just... I'm so looking forward to seeing her kicking him out. Which, of course, you and I know she won't do it. You know she won't do it. I could almost, I could almost put money on it. I wonder if I, they, they take a bet on that. If you went along to the bookmakers and go, what, what's, what's the betting that uh, she won't kick him out? Uh, Louis Walsh laying into to Tulisa and branded her a chav in a tracksuit. I mean, she is a chav. And there's too many of these people. I was looking at a bloke the other day. I was talking to my friend who has a dry cleaners in Twickenham. And this bloke goes past and he's got um, uh, a T-shirt on. He obviously works in a tattoo parlour, which is OK. Don't have a problem with somebody working in a tattoo parlour. It's fairly popular at the moment. Unfortunately, we have two tattoo parlours, so it's not that clever around our area. Very much lowered it. And, um, and he's got tattoos all the way up his neck and up the side around his ear. And I'm thinking, this is probably great when you're young, but, I mean, are you stupid enough to think that they're going to fade? You've got those for the rest of your life, except they're going to start looking really awful by the time you get about 30, as these cheap tattoos... Because everybody's got them done, all different colours, this, this body adornment is everywhere. But you've got it for the rest of your life. You know, if I was an employer, I don't want somebody turning up with tattoos, especially if it's somebody dealing with the public. No, thank you. Still very chavvy. London's biggest conversation. Steve Allen. It's quite funny. There's some pictures in the papers today of the Spice Girls. Zika zika ah. Uh, everybody's smiling except Miss Misery. Uh, and the funny thing is that there's a picture of uh, David Beckham. We'll have a picture taken with anybody nowadays. Uh, and he's with Liam Gallagher. This is the same Liam Gallagher who sparked a war of words with the Spice Girls by saying that if he bumped into them at the Brit Awards, I will smack them. You know, a rather stupid, pathetic little waste of space, Liam. And, uh, anyway, the five-piece accepted their gong that night. Mel C challenged Liam, shouting, come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. But all that was forgotten as Liam, who's now a champagne socialist, cracked open the champagne. Way upholding those working-class roots, matey. Absolutely fantastic. And, uh, Baby and Ginger had changed out of their on-stage ensembles. But, uh, Scary was still wearing her cat suit. She likes cat suits, actually. It was quite good. It was good. And, um... Uh, Mel C's still in the outfit. Then at 3am, Mel C tweeted, Oh, my God, so sad, getting changed. Victoria was absent from the fun. But, of course, she doesn't do things like that. She just wanted, I mean, she, you're not going to find Victoria Beckham falling out of a nightclub. She'll fall out of a, out of a restaurant when she's had one or two many sherbets. That's only because she doesn't, you know, she doesn't eat anything, so she's not soaking up the alcohol. And, and let's face it, her best pals, of course, are the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. They're with them all the time, constantly phoning them. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. They did a little thing. Put it this way, you'll never ever see a picture of them all out for dinner 
It, it's, it's just not going to happen. The advisors. Although, strangely enough, what was a picture I was looking at earlier on in the paper? It shows how, how things can get built up out of all proportion. When you open up the papers and you read about celebrities and they start linking them with members of the royal family, once it appears you've mentioned it, it then becomes uh, almost gospel. The, uh, the, the, the classic one, as you know, is Paris Hilton is not the heiress to the Hilton fortune at all. She's nothing to do with the Hilton family. Absolutely nothing. Her father's a, an estate agent, or her mother's an estate agent. She's heir to nothing. The, the, uh, the Hilton chain was sold off ages ago. Paris Hilton got nothing. But they always put down Paris Hilton heiress. And she's not. She's not an heiress. So I, I laughed when I opened up the Express today, and they've got a picture of, I think it's Prince Harry. And they're talking about Prince Harry and, uh, you know, how marvellous he is and what, it, what he does and all the rest of it. And he was so regal at Sunday's Olympic ceremony, put it, putting an end to his laddish ways. And, and they've got um, a, a picture here of Molly King from the Saturdays. And they've said, the prince's former flame, Molly King. It's a lie. They were never an item. They were never going out. It's just sloppy journalism by somebody called Adrian Lee, who could be a man or a woman. It's a bit difficult to tell in the Express nowadays. And so they, they've cobbled together this thing. They've gone, Molly King, former flame of Prince Harry. No, it's just not. She's not at all. They, they met at some do once and had a drink. Not a form of flame. It really is. It's shoddy, shoddy journalism. But that's the Express for you. And uh, unfortunately... It seems to run through. I didn't see Big Brother. A little bit miffed that I didn't see it. But uh, that was the one won by the woman who's having a sex change, but she's not had a sex change yet. All she's taking is hormone tablets and droned on about it to anybody who wanted to listen about, you know, gender reassignment. And yet, when you, when you look at her, you can see it's a woman. It's only because of the voice, because of the tablet she's taking, which alter the voice. But the rest, it's, it's a woman. It's a woman. But I, I still couldn't quite work out because I'm assuming on the passport it still says woman, how she managed to get married to somebody. How was that possible? You know, she said, this is my wife. And I thought, but you haven't had, you know, your gender reassignment, and yet you go on a television programme and, uh, and start telling people about everything. Because really, we've, we've had it before. It's not like we haven't seen anything like that. There's nothing on television now that is ever going to shock us. Well, I don't think so, anyway. Much, I'm, I'm preparing to be shocked about certain things. Um... Steve, I've put a, a water bowl out for dogs for years, but when I moved to Thorpe in Surrey, some dog owners have said, oh, isn't that cute, a water bowl? Needless to say, it's the one with those tree rats on ropes. Kevin says, I still like that, Steve. I'm a very old-fashioned milkman. Very old-fashioned. I like the idea of uh, <laughs> old-fashioned milkman. Don't you like old-fashioned milk? Do you, know, just, do you know, we're missing all that kind of stuff, and because it's all plastic nowadays... I used to miss when the little milk float used to go. I can hear that sound of the electric milk float going down the street and the milk bottles rattling in the crates at the back. It was metal crates and the milk bottles rattled. And it was just, I don't know, am I, I don't even know you can get milkman anymore. Kevin must be part of a dying breed. I don't know. I think, well, I think you have to find out where the milkman is. And, and you have to sort of, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know where, where they come from. How do you find a milkman, Kevin? Well, apart from, you know, seeing somebody there, you've got to find somebody in your area who, who delivers to your area. Because, but the, the only problem I had was that I would say, OK, let's have two pints of milk a day. Well, I couldn't drink two pints of milk a day. So by the time you got to the fourth day, you've now stockpiled eight pints. In the end, I was pouring it down the drain because I had so much milk, so much milk, and, and I couldn't find the milkman to say, can we cut back, please, on how much milk I'm getting? And I used to have a little 
thing outside the front door. In fact, I, I bought it for my milkman in Staines. He was ever such a nice chap. He really was. I think he was a listener as well, which made it easier. And on the top of this little thing, which kept the milk cool, because there's nothing worse than tits pecking the top off your bottles, which they used to, to get the the cream that was at the top. And uh, we had a lot of problem with tits in our road. I mean, really, oh, it was terrible. So he said, look, buy this thing. It was only like two quid. And, and you, you, you take the lid off, and it was like, I don't know what it was, actually. Anyway, it kept it cool, and it meant that you didn't lose the top of your milk. So he bought that. And then there was another one that came, which had a dial on it, and you could turn it for how many pints you wanted. I think it went to nine or something. Whoever had nine pints of milk in a day, I've got no idea. I mean, I can make... I mean, like, my milk goes out of date before I've finished it. It really does. I, I do try, desperately, to sort of make it... like, But I, I don't drink milk. I occasionally have a bowl of cornflakes and occasionally a cup of coffee. But I, I don't do it... All the time. I don't know why. It's supposed to be good for your milk, isn't it? It's supposed to be calcium, good for teeth. And they used to love the adverts on the, on the television for it. But uh, you, don't, you don't seem to see things like that nowadays. Bit of a chat. I don't like all these things changing. I've decided I want to be old-fashioned. When people used to say years and years ago, they'd say, uh, oh, you know, you're very old-fashioned. I said, no, I like being old-fashioned. Nothing the matter with that. We were saying earlier on to actually put water out for dogs in this weather because it's hot. And if you've got a house, you put a metal bowl outside with some water in it. That's quite a nice thing to do, isn't it? The dogs will always find it. And it gives them a little drink because that's why you see them with their tongues hanging out. They're trying to cool themselves down. Not easy. Not easy. All the papers today are full of the uh, awful story about little little tear. I mean, it's just... You know, words kind of fail me on this one, really. And uh, there's lots of stories about now uh, how the, the police missed her. Nick Ferrari dealt with this yesterday. How, the, how they missed her twice, I've got no idea. She was wrapped up in a, in a black bedsheet and put inside a bag and put in the loft. And they missed her, even though they had dogs who were trained to look for bodies. Very sad. The good news is, and there's always something in the papers, isn't there, about your health. There is always something. And now we've had the Olympics and we should have been inspired to do something. And yet... Uh, I, I haven't been inspired to do anything, mainly because the weather's too vile. I came outside this morning and it was a little bit damp. I thought, that's OK. Oh, I thought if, if I'd got my torch out, I probably could have found loads of slugs. But now they're saying cocoa. A daily dose of cocoa could be the secret to halting Alzheimer's. And uh, apparently it's something to do with flavonoids. Flavonoids. I've never even heard of flavonoids, but apparently it's in cocoa. It's an antioxidant. And it's also found in fruit and vegetables like grapes, berries and apples. Ah, I drank some apple juice yesterday. I drank some apple juice. In fact, I drank a whole carton of apple juice yesterday. I don't think that's particularly good. But it's also it's in tea, red wine and other plant-based foods. The man who's led this, he says here, given the global rise in disorders which have a true impact on an individual's quality of life, the role of cocoa is very good in slowing the progression of mild cognitive impairment to dementia. And years ago, if you remember, people drank cocoa. They used to keep cocoa locked up. They used to keep it locked up in a little chest. It was, it was so valuable. It was absolutely, you know, the and people would come around and they would have chocolate-tasting evenings. And I used to love something called Born Vita. And Born Vita was sort of like a multi-chocolate drink. I used to love it. We never got it that often at home. I don't know why. We had a tin of it in the cupboard. And I used to love taking the lid off this metal tin and it used to glisten like sugar. Probably was sugar, actually. And it was absolutely lovely. Born Vita. I used to love anything like that. And apparently now it's supposed to be very good for you. So cocoa is the way forward. We used to have a bakery van Tuesday, but that was 44 years ago. We had a bakery van as well. We had like... Um, 
a little village shop that was a mobile shop, and it came round once a week, and it had all the essentials on there for people who couldn't get out. If you lived in a little village in, in the middle of Yorkshire, where, let's face it, when it snowed, we were practically isolated. We were isolated, but I've often said that that's what I want to do. I want to go back to Yorkshire, to the little village I used to live in, which, I mean, if, the, if there were 20 houses, that was an exaggeration. We had a farm, a church, don't remember there being a pub, I don't think we had a pub, actually. It wouldn't have survived, because everybody stayed in most of the time. And us kids went out and played, and we went to the local school. But when it snowed, it was just... I, I can remember tramping. It was two miles to walk to get the school bus. Two miles. I mean, now, can you imagine kids today walking two miles every morning? And it wasn't just two miles, you know, once a week. It was four miles every day, because when the bus dropped you off, you got off, and you walked, and you walked, and you walked. And if it rained, you got very wet. And if it snowed, which it did in the winter, and by God, it came down, you'd tramp along the roads in your little Wellington boots. It's terrible, really. I paint, I know I'm painting a very gloomy picture of life there. And it was all the fields were deserted. A couple of carrion crows looking to pick me off if I fell over, you know, things like that. Carried off into the hills and eaten alive. And I can remember the school bus, because it looked like... So, um, if ever you've watched the film... The Titfield Thunderbolt. I've got tit on the brain this morning. That's twice that. The tits who ate the milk. Now the Titfield Thunderbolt. And they've got a coach which they use on there, which has got maquette seats. And there'll be loads of you listening who remember those old school buses. You got on there and it was a race to get the back seat. And if somebody else was on it, you didn't like them. And it, had, it was proper maquette. And we'd sit there. We didn't appreciate these coaches at all, but they were fabulous. But the bakery van. I remember the, the local van coming round, which had essential food on it, tins of soup, and they also carried fresh bread. Because we didn't make... My mother didn't make bread. She, she made everything else, but didn't do bread. She used to love bread. Crusty loaves of bread. You know, like those ones that look like sort of a top knot. Oh, they were delicious. In the toaster with some butter on, a little bit of grated... Sh- oh, I'm making myself ill again. No good talking about bread, Stephen, this morning. You're on a diet. Think diet. Think diet. Think thin. Think... Think thin. Think Tom Daly. Think... Oh, God, I'm depressed already. Anyway, at least it's Tuesday, which is uh, good news. And Jennifer Aniston's getting wedded. Getting wedded again. She's got her new fiancé, Justin Theroux. And uh, we'll talk about exercise. Apparently, even gardening is good for exercise for elderly people because it's bending down, standing up. Bending down, standing Of course, I just sort of bend down and I'm kind of stuck there, I'm afraid. So, uh, more on that... After the news, which is next, it's LBC 97.3. On Steve Allen. Morning. Somebody sent me an email yesterday, and they said, can you remember, Steve, to plug the, uh, the Para-Olympic Games? They need to sell the tickets. They don't, they're sold out. They've sold 2.2 million tickets. That's the biggest amount that has ever been sold I think in, in Athens, they sold 850,000 Paralympic tickets. Beijing, 1.8 million. And uh, here, I mean, some of the tickets only cost 10 quid. They've literally sold out practically for all the events. That, and they, the reason they say that is because the excitement that was generated by the Olympic Games, the mania spread, and people went... Listen, if the Olympic Games were this good, the Paralympics are going to be really brilliant. And we're going to do very, 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 very well in the Olympic Games. We're, a medal table, I promise you, we're going, to, we're going to wipe the board with this one. Absolutely wipe the board with it, I promise you. And so the opening ceremony is August 29. And I think there's only 300,000 more seats left. But they're going at a phenomenal rate. People are booking for as many things as they can. And you should. 
You should. We, we should. we should get that spirit back in again that we had during the Olympic Games. And uh, Channel 4 have said that they're going to broadcast 500 hours of sport. It's the biggest thing they've ever done. And the good news is that apparently the advertisers are getting behind them as well. So that's, that's a good thing, because I, I had this horrible feeling a few days ago that it was all going to get lost under the radar, and it was going to disappear, and, and we were all going to be going, oh, come on, why, why are we not getting behind this? We should. We should definitely. Uh, Joanne, I have got the gift box, but we haven't opened it yet, and the reason we got it is because it came in late on Friday, and if it's a box, it comes in and it's looked after by Courtney. Courtney is the management, the security downstairs, and... Um, and so he's got it. And I, I went out yesterday and I bumped into Courtney opposite pret and He went, Stevie, he said, I have a box for you. And I said, I know. So, in fact, I'm going to get it today. I'm going to get, I think I'm going to get the box. It's either today or tomorrow I get it. He's going to hang on to it. And we still have the tramp sitting outside Superdrug in Twickenham. He doesn't do anything. He used to play a dreadful violin. Awful, awful. And uh, he's also got pound coins on him, and he always used to ask people for a pound for his bus fare. He's been told by the police not to harass people. I've seen him harassing people before. He shouldn't be. He doesn't serve any useful purpose to anybody at all, I'm afraid. But I suppose every area's got got tramps and things like that. Morning to a fantabulous little Julie and Noreen, says Joanne. I'll, I'll let you know when we, when we do the box. I'll let we... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely will, uh, will let you know. Uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. Nice to weave them all in. We have 30 rounds, says Kevin, covering all of East London. I can be contacted on... Oh, right. Do you have a a website? Is that Kevin the Milkman? Can I I give that out? Is that... You want me to give that one out? Is that that okay to give that one out, Kev? He says, find me a milkman. My average customer has four pints a week now, but I'm happy if, if even somebody has a pint a week, and I know nearly every customer by name. Not number... My parents used to have a mobile shop, so retail is in the blood. Oh, right. So if you, if you can Google the website, find me a milkman. Find me a milkman. So there's, there's obviously a website. We can find me a milkman. There you go. Brilliant idea. Thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, Steve, the Milky Palace Dairies, says, just to confirm, milkmen are alive and well in Muswell Hill and doing very well. 520 customers. That's Steve the Milky Palace Dairies. Actually, I like the idea that Milkman are listening to this programme first thing in the morning, because nobody ever mentions you. Somebody sent me in a thing and says, um, yeah, we, we had a Milkman round uh, our way, and he comes around about 3am in the morning, says Julia and Sutton. I suppose, working on that, he, he goes in early, gets all, all his milk from the dairy, and then goes round, and so that he can be back home by, what, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock? Then you've got the day. Go to bed early, get up, and then go and do it. Uh, one here says, I haven't seen a Milkman in years. I love the old ways of the glass pints of milk being left at the door. You don't see it very often, do you? But they're, they're alive and well. The website, find me a milkman. Find me a milkman. Uh, Martin says, I did myself a tattoo once in art class at school with some Indian ink and a compass. Uh, a dice shape of numbers five. I don't know why. It went completely septic and really hurt, so I never got any more done. Very wise. Very wise. A friend of mine did his own as well. He did a little star on his ear, and he did it with a, with a pin and some ink. I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, one here says, we used to go to Lion's Coffee Shop as a treat and have what we called frothy coffee in glass cups and saucers. Oh, we remember frothy coffee. An Italian vanilla ice cream from a big metal churn. Yes, I mean, we used to, my, my, my big treat in the old coffee bars, and, uh, and they weren't really coffee shops, they were coffee bars, was to have a cup of coffee, and you're right, it was glass cups and saucers. <laughs> look vile and when you look back on them they must have been awful but if if you were re- feeling really flash we'd have a banana milkshake 
a banana milkshake. But it didn't have real banana, it just had some of that crusher milkshake, and they put it in there. And if you were very lucky and you could afford the extra, you'd have a dollop of ice cream in there as well. Vanilla milkshake. Sometimes if it really flash, two vanilla milkshakes. Then you go, I won't have banana this time, I'll have strawberry. The old coffee shop. The Lion's Corner House, literally just down the road from us here at, uh, at Global Towers, was popular for years. They, they brought it back, and it didn't work the same way. They had the little nippies, people who nipped around taking orders. And, it's, and now we've, we've gone coffee mad, haven't we, in this country? Absolutely coffee mad. Every day we go out and we buy cups of coffee. And it costs us a small fortune. In the early days it didn't, but you could sit in one of these coffee bars, and everywhere had them. Uh, another one here. I'm oh, sorry, I'm just going back to Kevin the Milkman. So Google the website, find me a milkman, and have a chub chug If you want to find a milkman, because they are alive and well, and we're always willing to hear from, from milkmen on the programme. Daily Mail today. So having now told you that if you're over 50, you need to get some exercise. And the exercise can be anything. It can be just walking, or it can be bending down, it can be doing a bit of gardening, because that can be exercise. Gardening can be exercises. And I love the other story. And this is scientists who have made blind mice see clearly again. You remember the story of the three blind mice. (laughs) Well, now this is spectacles that contain a tiny camera rather than surgery. And they reckon it could be tested on people for the first time in just one to two years. Now, I've seen this technology before, and it's a little tiny camera fitted to the side of glasses, and it enables people to see. But I'm hoping that they can give sight back to people, because we've long had these discussions on the radio. And the discussion is, if you've been blind since birth, nobody can ever describe anything to you, because you don't know what it is. So when somebody says, oh, what does, what does grass look like? And you go, well, it's green. And they go, Green? And you have to try and then explain green. But green doesn't mean anything to somebody who's blind. If they've always been blind since birth, it doesn't mean anything at all. It's just because everything in their world is grey. Grey, you know, it's it's black and white. It isn't isn't coloured, as they say. So you you do try explaining the sky is blue. But it's not completely blue because nobody knows what blue is. It's only if you've had sight and then you've then you've slowly lost it that you that you retain that that memory of it. So I think it's a, a brilliant idea that they can bring out glasses that can give sight back to the blind. That's the only thing people worry about, isn't it? As you get older, you know, will you become dependent on other people? I'm determined to be a complete burden on everybody. We used to have a lovely neighbour. Sadly, she's not with us anymore. She died uh, a few years back now, and uh, her name was Charlene. And uh, she she used to she was put in in flats. Because uh, she said she wanted to be a nuisance at that age. She said, what's the point of living in a flat if you can't make, you know, go around and knock on people's doors? And, of course, because she was elderly, and she was the only elderly person we had, people looked after her. So people did, oh, Steve. She gave, so she gave all the, I think, the milkman, the postman, the paperboy, they all had keys to come in and bring her stuff up. She'd, she'd make them a cup of tea. She wanted the company. She'd, she was one of those people. She was French. Lovely, lovely lady. She would leave her front door open all the time. You couldn't literally walk past with her going... Or Steve. <laughs> There'd always be something she wanted, which is great. Neil, he says, I'm halfway through my 80 penicillin tablets, but I'm feeling so much better. We've just got back to our hotel. It's very warm in Florida, and my plates of meat are killing me. We're off to Universal Studios, uh, going on the Harry Potter ride. Hi, hi to the Facebookers. Actually, I did Universal Studios. That's a really good one, Universal. That's very, very good. They were building 
I think the Harry Potter ride, or they were doing something else, I can't remember. But I, I loved Universal, it was very, very good. And so hi to the Facebookers from Neil and Lorraine, who are suffering in the heat in Florida. In fact, there, I think there are 16 members of the family all out there, which is great, isn't it? Which is great. You know, when you've got the whole family, I think that is absolutely super. It's quite, if not a little bit irritating at times, I should imagine, with everybody being there. Uh, the race to be the first to claim asylum. This is what uh, Duncan spoke about overnight. And this is the Cameroon boxing team. Uh, five boxers, one swimmer and a woman footballer. And they've disappeared. As indeed we would expect, but out of thousands and thousands of people... Uh, they, they quite clearly had planned that before they came here. You don't just get here and then go, do you know, I think we'll stay. I think we'll stay. No, it was all, all pre-planned. Because one of them got knocked out, I think, in about 45 seconds. He quite clearly wasn't a boxer at all. He was just one of these fake people. Uh, and uh, the pop stars who struck gold at the Olympics. Records, tours, fashion. Victoria Beckham, oh, they were wearing her fashion on the catwalks. Although she looked as miserable as sin. The Who's Roger Daltrey, they have a tour coming up. And George Michael singing his new song at the closing ceremony. But they must have agreed this. They don't come on stage and start doing something without it being agreed. I personally, personally, think that they actually shouldn't have allowed people to plug their own single. I think that that was a bit shameless. I think, you know, if, if George Michael wants to sing his new single, and it was all about him recovering from pneumonia and all that kind of stuff, uh, but when, when it comes down to it, the words of the song... Somebody was repeating them earlier to me. And I said, well, the only person who saved him wasn't God. It was the doctors. The doctors saved George Michael. It was, it was the fantastic advances that they've made that, uh, that saved him. Uh, yes, you can give out my email address, Steve. So there you go. It's kevinthemilkman at yahoo.co.uk. kevinthemilkman at yahoo.co.uk. Good lad. Um, he said, I work from 2am to noon. You should join me for the last four hours one day, says Kevin. Actually, do you know, the funny thing is, I, like, I always wanted to sit on a milk float. <laughs> it's sad, isn't it, really? Steve Allen, day out, sitting on a milk float with photos. And I saw something the other day. They must have been chavs. They were going through Twickenham in a car, and the back of the car had sliding doors, and they were both open. And there's people sitting there without seatbelts on. They had their shirts off, so you knew exactly what sort of people they were. Uh, Richard is the Milko. He says, I deliver milk from an electric float, an Essex boy in your favourite Salford. I have to watch some of the dreadful television to understand who you're talking about, though. Doesn't matter. Listen, we've all got a rough idea. I did. What did I see the other night? Was it The Only Way is Essex? It was something dreadful. The news headlines. This morning with Sam Pittis. Inflation figures out. <sighs> Tuesday morning. London Town, you've got to snap up these tickets for the Paralympics. There's only, there's less than 300,000 left. I reckon there's about 200,000 tickets left. And then that's, that's sold out. I mean, it's not bad going, is it? Not bad going. Claire Balding, as we predicted, has been snapped up by Channel 4 Racing. Uh, because they're about the only company that do Channel 4 Racing. Channel 4. And I personally, I don't like it. I don't like horse racing. I think it's the most boring thing to watch on television. Who cares? Who cares? I mean, I really don't care. As far as I'm concerned, it just encourages gambling. That's all it is. I mean, they might as well show people playing slot machines. It's about as exciting as that, unfortunately. But anyway, she's been snapped up, I think, for four years. And she's also going to front the Paralympic coverage. God, is there no end to this woman's talents? Is there no I mean, she doesn't stop working, does she, Claire Balding? But uh, she's also got a non-exclusive contract with Channel 4, so she can continue to work for the BBC. I should imagine that was written down, in it. Listen, you're not having her permanently because she likes to do work with everybody. You know, but she'll bring a book out shortly. There's, you've just got a feeling there's a book in the offing. Oh, she's found the time to write it. I've got no idea. Have you got an invite to Katie Price and Leo's wedding? They won't get married. They won't get married. Listen, she's engaged, but already... Oh, that's what I was watching the other night. She's so rude to him. 
She's so rude to him. He said something the other day. Oh, that's right, he was, he was making a fire. Unfortunately, he didn't burn the house down, which would have been a bit advantageous. They call it Katie Price's mansion. It's a dog of a place, let me tell you. And, and he was making a fire, and she went, you've ruined my carpet. I thought, ah, interesting choice of words. You've ruined my carpet, not our carpet. She looks at it very much as you're moving in to... M- what, what she should do... If she's serious, but you know it's just a cheap publicity stunt, because that's what she is. It's cheap and it's publicity. They should sell the house and buy a place together. So that way it's proper, as opposed to he's living in her house. Well, you know, that's a bit stupid, really. He's living in there at the moment. What's the point of getting married? You might as well just carry on, because it won't last very long. Because already she started picking on this poor bloke. You know, he, he can't speak English very well. She can't, she can't speak English at all, actually. He's probably doing better than she is. But you know that the marriage is doomed. And you know that it's, 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 it's something that isn't going to last. Because she's got a track record. Because she's so disgustingly awful. She's so horrible. Already they're not married. And already she's being horrible. And saying, look, you've messed my carpet up. Do you know what this is? Hoover. And she's talking to him like he's three years old or something. And you think, I mean, I'm shouting at the television, don't marry the old bag. Don't marry her. She'll ruin your life. She's done it to everybody else she's been married to. She's been vile to every single person, to Peter Andre, to um, the cross-dressing one. And, you know, all the people she comes into contact with, she's not nice to. She's horrible. But noticeable by their absence... The gay makeup artist, Gary and Phil. Yes, Gary and Phil uh, don't seem to feature in the programme anymore. I wonder if word filtered back that they're just milking their friendship with her to try and launch a career of their own. Because I noticed that poor old Gary Cockrell, the makeup artist, used to be a coal miner. And <laughs> you just see it, can't you? Oh, I've just cracked another nail. And uh, he, he was uh, out there and he managed to get a picture taken with, with David Beckham. You know, because they milk every little bit of publicity that they, they can. But they don't seem to feature on Katie Price's programme. Perhaps, perhaps um, Leandro Penna say, I don't want these gay boys hanging around me no more. Please, take them away. Because they're, they're conspicuous by their absence, which is quite funny. Although we do get lots of shots of her brother, who's so boring. I don't know why these people go on television. It really is awful. Uh, he, well, he's just popped up recently. He drives a Mini, which is a bit of a girly car, I'm afraid. I'm sorry, men in Minis. Not, you know, not really butch enough. A 4 by 4 is fine. Um, Connie says, uh, uh, don't throw milk away. I can very easily manage to drink up to two litres a day. I'm not delivering milk to you. I'm not a milkman. I'm a radio presenter. I don't do deliveries of milk. I was talking about years and years ago when I used to have milk delivered. I poured away tons of the stuff. Tons of it. Mark in Essex says, I work nights driving around Essex delivering car parts. Now, when you say delivering car parts, are you taking them off cars or are you actually delivering to a garage? I only ask because it's Essex. I only ask because it's in Essex. He says, uh, I see loads of milkmen. <laughs> actually, you probably do at that time of the morning, don't you? I used to love it. I used to love milk floats, little electric milk floats. I did say at the beginning of the programme this morning that the couple who won the £148 million are having a press conference today at Down Hall, which is where Jade Goody got married, out in Bishop Stortford. It's a lovely hotel. I'm sure there'll be lots of nice pictures, and uh, hopefully Camelot will be paying for it. I don't know why they would want to tell people about their money, but they've got some plans which they want to, uh, to share with people. I'm hoping... I mean, we don't know who they are. We have no idea whether they're old, young... Know nothing at all about them. So it'd be funny if they're a very young couple, won't it? Or failing... I don't know who I'd, who I'd like to win it. I don't really care, actually. Perhaps I should drive down there. I could drive down in the car, actually. I'd get in there easy in my car. Easy. I felt very sorry today for Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, he's had enough of people taking the mickey out of him in this country because he's posh. 
people keep saying, oh, you only got that role because you're posh. And he says, it's, I'm just because uh, just I went to Harrow, he now thinks he's being castigated whenever he discusses how his background affects his profession. He told Radio Times all the posh bashing that goes on. I wasn't born into land or titles or new money or an oil rig. He says, I'm often castigated as a moaning, rich public schoolboy complaining about only getting posh roles. I mean, you could understand it, can't you? Because we did go through a phase in this country of having lots of posh boy actors who obviously had all had very, very good upbringings. And so here he is, and he, because he was educated at Harrow, great school, great school, but, I mean, Eton probably would have been slightly better, but Eton's a little bit more expensive, I think. And, uh, they're, they're, well, they're, they're, no, they're not equal, no. I mean, so, sorry. No, if, if you go to Harrow and you go to Eton, Eton is, is way above Harrow. I'm sorry. I I, I'm not buying into that at all. I mean, Harrow is perched on the top of the hill, and it's all little bit, you know, little bit here and little bit over there, and it's very, it's lovely. It really is lovely. It's a different world. Eton is completely different. You go down to Eton during the daytime and you watch the schoolboys walking around in their in their coats and everything. It's it's quite something to see. It is a bit Tom Brown school days. Katie Price is not cheap. She's very rich. No, she's cheap trash. She's trailer trash. That's what she is, and she's not very rich. You know, she's not very rich. And, I mean, you're obviously uh, a little bit... a little bit of a Katie Price fan. Are you a bit chavvy? Are you a bit chavvy? I suspect you are. I suspect you're probably quite a bit... You've probably got a tracksuit, haven't you? Do you do you model yourself on Katie Price? Probably you do, actually. Uh, read the Para-Olympics. Uh, nice to be positive about them. Well, we have to, because they've only got 200,000 seats left. That's the, that's the, the biggest sale of Paralympic tickets. I just hope people watch it. It's because it's Channel 4. It's just, it's not going to get, even though they're doing 500 hours, most people are not going to be watching it as they watch the other Olympics. The biggest audience the BBC got, I think, was nearly 26.3 million for the closing ceremony. 26 point, you know, years ago, that's what we got for television programmes. Big, big audiences. But to get that, I mean, we haven't had that for pff, 15 years, I would think. 15 to 18 years. Absolutely amazing. Amazing. Holidaymakers flying to France and Portugal have been warned of possible disruption because of industrial action in France. EasyJet's pilots are threatening to walk out. We're going to walk out. We'll walk out. We'll walk out then. There's other planes to take. And uh, it's in a dispute over pay. I don't know how much pilots earn with EasyJet. I'm told £45,000, £50,000 would not be be, uh, unheard of. So now... Uh, the stoppage in France may include up to 250 staff. It will affect many EasyJet flights in France, but not all of the airline's flights to and from the country. And so to, to increase the impact, this walkout coincides with Assumption Day, which is a big holiday period in France. And uh, a spokesman for them said the company regrets that some of its pilots have chosen to move ahead with an industrial action. I've never heard of pilots going on strike before. I suppose they must have done in the history of, of aviation. But you always imagine they're having such a nice job. They just sit there, they push a few buttons, the plane takes off by itself, lands by itself, and they just wear a white shirt and wave out the window. And I thought that's, that's, what, that's what pilots did. You know, something to sit there with a fag on, you know, you know, read a book or something, you know, watch a little movie. All have different meals in case one of them's poisoned. <laughs> 84850 steve at uk. do you know that there's a lipstick chemical alert ladies there's a lipstick chemical alert it's a chemical used in lipstick face washes and toothpaste may cause heart and muscle problems good lord which toothpaste I need to know this kind of thing I don't like to mention something if I don't know what it is 
It's something called trichiosan. Trichiosan. You have to you have to check the ingredients. I don't know whether you get ingredients on lipsticks. Do you? Is there, is there a thing on the on the side of the box which tells you what's in there? Well, if you see trichiosan, I mean, it, they say it can disrupt hormones. Oh, blimey, there's not really a lot you could do nowadays, is there? I'm a little bit, a little bit worried by this. And they've done a whole piece in uh, The Man Who Waited 26 Years, ladies and gentlemen, for a picture of the Loch Ness Monster. He is barking mad. He does, of course, offer boat trips on Loch Ness, and we are coming into the holiday season, so it's a way of making a little bit of money. And he's got a little Samsung camera. It's a digital camera, and yet still it takes absolute rubbish pictures funny that, isn't it? But hardly a recommendation. And here he is. This is George Edwards. He's been following Nessie for a long time, and it's true. He said, I know... He, he took this picture back in November. He's only just released it now, because I say, now we're in the tourist season, and he's got a boat that ploughs up and down the lock, so he's obviously looking for a bit of business. And he says here, this... Uh, I mean, he actually... He, he totally believes it. I mean, I th- I mean you, you and I know he's barking mad, but he totally believes it. And he says it probably, it must be totally aquatic. There haven't been enough sightings on land. There haven't been any sightings on land, you stupid man. Don't be so ridiculous. The lock- oh, look, there's a lo- Oh, it's wandered into town again. Run, run. He said it's also, it probably doesn't need to eat much. The water is so cold, it may have a slow metabolism. He's more barking mad than you realise. It doesn't need to eat much. And how old is it? It's also very, very old. He said, everybody wants that killer photograph. People I've worked with in the past have come out condemning me. Well, I know what I saw. Of course you do. You saw something floating on the lock. Okay. I should imagine there's probably quite a lot of wood and trees because years ago it would have been an ancient forest. And so there would be lots. That's why the water is so, so um, murky down there. And they also said, that's actually, if this was your bath, There'd be no excuse. Nessie can't hide anywhere. Because they say this is Loch Ness and it can go down to so many feet deep. You know, a mile deep, but it's all sludge and you'll never see anything. Because there's nothing in there, that's why. Otherwise, Nessie is blind. Because I don't know what it's, it's floating through. There are no fish in the lock, apparently. So it, it, it must be vegetarian. And it doesn't come out onto land because presumably it can't walk. Because it doesn't exist. But as long as you've got balmy mad people like him, George Edwards gets, you know, hailed in the newspapers, and he said, I've waited 26 years. I know what I saw. Of course you do. It's LBC 97.3. It's 5.30. Just talking about places where you can sleep, and I used to be very good at LBC years ago. When I did an overnight programme, we used to get breaks in where we play... Uh, things that I'd re- pre-recorded. This is way back, way back, you know, way, way back. Uh, almost almost uh, dinosaur times. And I could literally go into a feature which I'd recorded for, say, 20 minutes. I could turn the lights off, lie down on the floor, and I could go to sleep for 20 minutes. I can do cat naps. And I was just explaining to Sam Pitters, he said that he fell asleep at something the other night. And I said I was fatal for going to the theatre and falling asleep. I would sit there, and it was only certain theatres, the National Theatre, I would fall asleep, and the Barbican. Because at the Barbican, they have these doors that are open at the end of each row. And when the, 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 the event starts, whatever it happens to be, the doors close at the end of each line. So you're enclosed in a box. And the seats are so blooming comfy in there. I sat there, and I would sort of... And you'd feel yourself going, and it was very quiet. And nobody makes a sound at the Barbican. They're all terribly polite. It's like being at the National Theatre. They're all terribly polite there. And I would just nod off. And then you sort of wake up and you think, have I been snoring? It'd be so awful if you'd been snoring, wouldn't it? I mean, that would just be dreadful. 
I could never cope with things like that. So it's a, it's easy to nod off, especially in this weather. Well, it's well, it, today's going to be the same as it was yesterday, I'm afraid, uh, which means that you're going to get early mist, low cloud, isolated showers, maybe heavy at times. Many places will stay dry with bright or sunny spells. The high 24 degrees centigrade, currently 18 tonight. Any showers around at first will quickly die away. There'll be some bright spells during the evening. The rest of the night will be dry with clear spells. Tomorrow, dry and bright to start with, cloud increasing, occasional heavy rain. Thursday, isolated showers and sunny spells, feeling warm. And Friday and Saturday, cloudy with spells of rain, sometimes heavy. So it's, we're back to, isn't it typical? We've had the Olympics. I'm hoping for the Para-Olympics, the weather dries up. That would be absolutely amazing. That would be absolutely wonderful. But uh, but for this week, it's going to be wet, 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 I'm afraid. Uh, I wonder how many lonely housewives, says Phil, will log on to the Find Me a Milkman website. <laughs> I never thought about that. <laughs> Trust you. Uh, I used to love getting the milk delivered, says Anne. It was the best recycling ever. And do you remember taking the bottles back and getting sixpence from the off-licence? No. No. We did used to wash milk bottles and give them back. We did. I used to love washing milk bottles. I was very good at washing milk. I don't know why we washed them. Because presumably when they got back to the dairy, they washed them anyway. The only money we got back on bottles was Corona. You, 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 the, the, you, you go and buy Corona. And on the, if you held the bottle up to the light, on the back of the label, it said 2P or 2D, as it was in those days. And you got tuppence back on the bottle. And we used to pay 11 pence for a bottle of Corona, which is under a shilling. Under a shit, under five p for a bottle of oh, blimey, for a bottle of Corona, and you got two p back on it. And sometimes they would actually knock that off the price to start with, so you didn't get any money when it when it went back. Uh, Neil says, uh, "Read the uh, the Milkman." I love the old Norman Wisdom film with him, Mister Grimsdale and Nelly the Horse. I loved it. Him as an independent dairy competing against the new consolidated group. Great film. The funny thing is, I hated Norman Wisdom's films. They used to annoy me. I used to get so angry because you could see something happening. It's, it's, I suppose, roughly akin now to a horror film. And I don't, I don't really do horror films because I don't, don't like scaring myself. And, and they come to, I said to um, Daniel Radcliffe, oh, that's a good name drop first thing in the morning. I said to him, I said, in his film, Woman in Black, he turns up at this house and it's pitch black and there's no lights on. And he opens the front door and he goes, and you think, don't go in the house. Do not go in the house unless there's lighting in there. And what does he do? He flicks on the switch and it doesn't work. So he goes to the cellar. Well, the f- no chance. No chance. You wouldn't get me going in a cellar in some of these old houses. But um, perhaps I do remember the Norman Wisdom film. And I do remember the uh, the dairy. I remember that very, very well indeed. So thank you for joining us uh, on that one and putting some uh, some memories back in. Uh, I keep hearing all these adverts for doorstep milk deliveries. But can I draw your attention to the number one bespoke bovine lactose logistics company in Kensington? Uh, it's me, says Dom the Milky. This year, celebrating 25 years of giving housewives an extra one. Way, Thank you, Matron, for that. Yes, I mean, do people do everything else? I mean, do, in, an, in an effort to make milk work, I mean, you can't just make a living selling uh, milk. So presumably, you have to sell other things as well. And sell, selling other things would be, do you still do cheese, butter, bread, things like that? I don't know. Uh, Phil says, maybe if a log was left in the street, somebody could take a picture of it and claim that Nessie has come onto land. Yes. Mark says, I was born in Essex and I do work in Essex, but I now live in Kent. But you'll probably think that's even worse. It's dreadful. Dreadful Kent. I mean, used to be known as the Garden of England. I don't think they call it that now, do they? Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's mum played Cassandra's mum in Only Fools and Horses. 
says Vicky. Thank you. Uh, EasyJet planes are piloted manually for takeoff and landing. And uh, Richard says that my next-door neighbour has a milkman. He has a transit van and leaves it running very loud at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> yes, I think Claire Balding was very good, Angela. She did turn it around. She told a winning jockey he could afford to get his teeth fixed. We well, said, I don't think that's rude. I think that's being quite accurate. She was, t- she was, she was saying it as it was. I mean, if people see, see something offensive in that, well, there's something the matter with them, I'm afraid. Uh, there has been a report, says Gary in Welling Garden City, saying depression and stress uh, is us. I watched the Jeremy Kyle show, and with the chavs in their tracksuits, one tooth in their head and tattoos, it made me feel very depressed. Where do they come from? Feltham. There's a lot of them in Feltham and Hounslow. Mainly Feltham, though. Oh, my God, there's whole families of them out there. Whole families of them out there. So the Loch Ness Monster, this is after the story in the mail today, of the man who says, I'm not mad, but of course people who, people who actually tell you they're not mad generally are mad. Doesn't work any better, does it? And uh, in Chelmsford, it's raining. Mark is still in Essex, still. He's either delivering car parts or collecting car... We're not too sure what he's doing with car parts. Best not to worry about it, I suppose. Uh, now you've changed what you call children. When, when parents decide to have children... And in the case of Jeremy Carl show, they don't really decide to have them. They're just, they're just having children. And uh, we, we don't know how they have But I don't think they'll be calling them any of the names which are now on the list. Because the, the top boy's name is Harry. That is the top boy. Now, you're not going to go onto a sink estate and find many Harrys. You might find some old Aries who are a bit older than other people. Uh, but uh, you're not going to find it being a young person's name. The second most favourite boy's name is Oliver. 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 Da, 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 da. What am I watching on the t- I was just watching something on the television. Somebody pulling a caravan, driving... It's Australia, is it? Driving... Has he just pinched it or something? Is he just driving the wrong way down the road? It was very funny. Uh, number three, Jack, is a very popular name. Jack is a very popular name. Number four is Alfie. What's it all about, Alfie? Charlie is at number five. Now, there's something you'll probably hear on Sink Estates, I should imagine. Is Charlie anywhere? Anybody got... Is Charlie there? You know, you could see that, can't you? Thomas... Quite a nice name, is it, Thomas? But it's fallen down. It's number six. Jacob is at number seven. James is at number eight. Joshua at number nine. And number ten, William. It's my middle name. William. Don't go there. Uh, For girls, the most popular girl's name. Up four places. It's now Amelia. Not going to hear that on a sink estate, are you? I can't see that in the East End. Amelia, would you like to come in and play? Go out and play? No. Uh, Olivia is at number two. Very popular. Lily. Number three, I know all these names so far. Jessica, little Jessica, is at number four. Emily is at number five. Sophie is at number six. Ruby, very popular name. Uh, Number seven, Grace, good one. Number eight, Ava at number nine. And number ten, Isabella. So there's none of these, you know, Charlotte's or... um, I also think it's Chantel and stuff like that. So it's... the, the, The top boy's name is Harry. And I think that's because of Prince Harry. I think Harry has made it... Very, very popular. Um, David in Chelmsford says, I went past Amy Childs' shop in Brentwood yesterday. Looks like she made the sign herself. Very temporary. Well, I think she co-owns with her agent. I think the agent co-owns with her. But the trouble is, I mean, I'm assuming she's got enough time to actually work in the shop. Or put, they have people in there? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Sarah says, life is getting back to normal after two such fabulous weeks. 
They're, they're, they're asking people now, if, if, if you're feeling depressed after the Olympics, and some people have got withdrawal symptoms, which is not very good, is it? This is the first, first morning, she says, I've woken up and, and not thought Olympic Games. I'm missing it already. Thank goodness I made the decision to get tickets for the Paralympic Athletics on the evening of the 6th of September. And it's great that the tickets are nearly sold out for all events. They've done 2.2 million tickets. It's the largest amount they've ever sold. And I'm thrilled, because if you're an athlete... And you go out there. You want to see a full stadium, don't you? You want to be. You want to hear that roar of the crowd. That's going to spur you on. I think that's brilliant, brilliant. And she says, uh, "I'm looking forward to it already." And I thought that Claire Balding did a magnificent job, especially with her commentary on the swimming. Yet she seems better to do everything, doesn't she? But I, d- I don't want to get to that stage of saying that she's so brilliant she could have a chat show. I don't want her to have a chat show. I don't think a chat show is the is the saving grace for Claire Balding. She just carry on doing what she's doing at the moment and just enjoy it. Because that's the way it's, uh, that, that's actually the way it works nowadays. And I, th- I think it's really, really good. Do you remember the story of the teacher? Do you remember Glenroy Blair Ford? Glenroy Blair Ford. Do you remember him? He's a teacher from a school. And he went to um, one of these um, adventure things. And he did welly wanging. That welly wanging. <laughs> is where you stand there and you throw the welly backwards between your legs. I don't know if women do it. Men do it. Um, and he did... Anyway, what, what happened to him? He threw the welly and he fell forward, thus breaking his neck. He's in a wheelchair and uh, he's got everything. Uh, you know, it's motorised. It seems to have everything on there. And he went to court hoping to get £5 million out of the company, claiming that they had not instructed him on welly-wanging properly. And I take my words carefully. And, and I thought to myself, in fact, when I first heard about this case coming into court, I thought, you're never going to make that statement. You're never going to prove to somebody that you weren't negligent. It was just unfortunate. Things happen, and the judge agreed that it was just an unfortunate accident. Um, there was no duty of care. All you can do with somebody is say, listen, when you do... I mean, who's ever going to think? Because there must be thousands of people who do welly-wanging. And when you throw the Wellington, you don't expect to pitch forward. So he, uh, he broke his uh, neck. Uh, he and his insurance now face a very large legal bill. And the judge has ordered an interim payment of £100,000 to CRS pending a final assessment of the amount. CRS is the, uh, is the company. CRS Adventures in Devon. Uh, Mr Blair Ford is a devout Christian father too. What's that got to do with it? Nothing at all to do with being a devout Christian. Sorry, where in the Bible does it mention welly-wanging? We don't have any... <laughs> don't think so. Unless that Garden of Gethsemane was a secret adventure playground. But I think not. I think we'd have remembered if, you know, everybody had been down there, Judas throwing wellies all over the place. Not very likely, is it? Quarter to six. <laughs> News headlines with Sam Pittis. Demonstrations are to be held at train station... Morning, 12 minutes to 6. It's LBC 97.3. Tony's, Tony rang in. He lives on, a, on an estate in London, and his daughter is called Amelia. You are so posh, Tony. We don't know anybody as posh as you on these. I bet she's the only Amelia on the estate. I bet <laughs> I've got a horrible feeling. It's a very posh name, isn't it? Amelia. I quite like it. Lily's one of my favourite names. I like Lily. In fact, I liked all the names on that list. There weren't any names at all. I wish I'd never been called Stephen, though. I wish I'd never been called Stephen. I know, I just... Uh, something about it. I, I quite like Harry, and I quite like uh, Jack. Jack... Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Jack Allen show. No, it doesn't quite sound right, does it? Ladies and gentlemen, it's Harry Allen. 
Makes me sound like a bookmaker. Doesn't sound right either. Ladies and gentlemen, Joshua Allen. Doesn't sound right, does it? None of these are sounding... I think we'd better stick with Steve. It's a lot easier. So, Amelia is top name, Tony. Top boy there. You've got the top name. Uh, follow Jessica, I like. I like Emily. That's a very pretty name. Grace. You don't find people called Grace. I've got an auntie Grace, actually. And Ruby, very pretty as well. Very pretty names. There's a... I have to, I've, I've often joked... I said before, oh, there's a second Amelia on the estate now, a neighbour liked the name, and called their daughter as... Oh, it's catching, it's like, it's like an infection. There's two Amelias on the estate. Could, you'll be telling me that there isn't a Jade on the estate, or a Chantel. I don't want to worry about things like that at my time of life. I joked the other day about my Aunt Enid. She has had moments where she's wandered into shops and she's forgot to pay for things. Now, it's an occupational hazard when you get a little bit older. But in the case of my Aunt Enid... And bless her heart, we, I mean, we, we do try to keep her as medicated as possible so that she doesn't wander out, because she has been known to wander out, and she has been known to try and get stuff out of shops. Not normal shops. She targeted an electrical store. This was only two years ago. She tried to get out a fridge freezer. Now, she's a fairly large woman, and she got it under her skirt, but she got as far as the door, and I think the staff spotted that something was a little bit of a miss. And I thought it was a bit of a joke, this, until I read in the papers today that in Oslo... A woman shoplifted a television by putting a 42-inch television up her skirt. And she got as far as the door because she'd managed to wedge it between her legs. Work this one out if you can. She and her boyfriend hobbled to the exit with a £3,000 television hidden under her skirt. She got as far as the bus stop outside. Never mind, she's clamped this television between her legs. And then the police arrest her. The woman later told officers she had very strong thigh muscles. Don't go there. Too early. But, uh, a police spokesman said, We wondered if this was impossible, but then we tried it at the station with female officers. It is hard, but it's not impossible. They're so good, aren't they? I do like them in Oslo. They're always game for a laugh, aren't they? Um, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll come here, try television. Try clamp between legs. Apparently it is possible. Don't try it at home, please. It's not worth it. A 42-inch television. You thought she'd have started, but perhaps she, perhaps she worked up to a 42-inch television. Perhaps she sort of started off with a small sort of, you know, 7-inch, like something you put on the bed, and then sort of gradually worked up, and now she's got to 42 inches. She'd have got away with it if she hadn't sort of been, been hobbling and looking slightly strange. Uh, Harry is popular because of Harry Potter. No, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. No, it's Prince Harry. Prince Harry is the saving grace of the royal family. Prince Harry is, is wonderful. Prince Harry is the member of the royal family that everybody wants to go out for a drink with. You don't want to go out for a drink with William because you know that William would probably have a glass of milk and then want to go to bed or something and read a book. You know, he's, he's hardly going to be party animal, whereas Harry would be up for getting as drunk as possible and has done, I'm afraid. Uh, Lynn says, we used to scour the neighbourhood for empty pop bottles. And then we take them back to the shop and get money. Yes, I've heard of that. I discovered an old, an old rubbish dump. I well, I say I discovered an old rubbish dump. If you go to the local council, they will give you a. Have I done that? Um, they will give you a list of Victorian rubbish dumps because the Victorians buried their rubbish, and I found one by the side of the Thames. And what was in it? Bottles. Old Victorian bottles, and they were the sort of bottles that came with. Um, little glass stoppers inside the bottle. And it was to sort of mix the drink or whatever it happened to me. And I remember taking them home thinking, I'll, I'll clean these up and I'll make a collection. I mean, a stupid thing to do. A stupid... Because it, it never it never quite works like that. They sat in a bucket for the best part of a year and I didn't do anything with them. But you can go to the council and find out where the, where the Victorian rubbish dumps are. Very good. 
Uh, some of the games lanes have been removed, but the traffic lights are not rephased. No, they, they put up big signs. As you come into London and you've come in on the, uh, the M4, by the time you get to the big Sainsbury's down near Earl's Court, there's big signs there saying you can use the traffic lanes if, if the, the sign says you can, but you can't use all of them. So just be, just be aware that they're still handing out fines. It's 130 quid a pop. So just be, just be very careful. Don't, don't just think because you see somebody else driving in it, you can drive in it. Uh, can somebody explain, says Meb, why petrol prices have gone up by 12p? Because you're being ripped off by the petrol companies. That's all I can tell you. They just put the prices up. They go up and down like yo-yos. You pull into a garage. I'm never, never sure from one day, uh, one day to the next. Sue in Northolt says Claire Balding and Steve Allen have one thing in common. Oh, God. Oh, right, sorry. Both excellent broadcasters. So that's OK. I'll, I'll take that one on the chin. And uh, Steve says, uh, I think you'll find that in the Paralympics, they're not going to be allowed to use any of the Olympic sites. Yes, they're using a lot of other sites, aren't they? There's all sorts of places. But listen, if they sell out, Steve, I don't, I don't think people care. They have to be adapted for people in wheelchairs and for people with disabilities. So that's why. Although, you know, if it's, if it's a running track, I don't know what, what sort of things you have to do on that to make it so that people can use it. But I'm, I'm glad it's, it's selling out. I, re- I really did worry. I promise you, at the very beginning, I thought, as in previous, you know, years, people then go, and this is the Parrot Olympics, and it becomes a little bit patronising to go, oh, look, haven't they done well? But I think we're going to do brilliantly in the medal tally. I've just, I've just got a feeling that we're going to do really, really well, and I think you should be watching it. Uh, we don't normally advise people to watch the television. But uh, you'll, you'll be seeing some stunning things. And you don't have to look at some of these people. You think not only have they overcome injury and uh, amputations and stuff like that, but they've actually gone on to do something else. It isn't just like they're sort of sitting there going, well, you know, I'm disabled, I can't do anything. These are serious sportsmen and women. Serious sportsmen and women. The other thing which is in the papers today is that we're not sending, when we go on holiday, postcards. Years ago, you picked up a postcard. You know, you, you bought the naughty seaside postcard with the busty lady and the man with his glasses falling off and that kind of stuff. And my, I can't tell you what my favourite one is because it's considered too rude even for this programme, but it's a, it's a saucy seaside postcard. We're not doing it now because we text. We text from holidays. We go, having a great time here. We FaceTime. Why do you want to send a postcard? And the answer is, nobody used to send... You put it on the mantelpiece, you go... Oh, that were our Enid. She went, she went to Blackpool. She sent that postcard for me. Oh, and you'd read it and you go, but then we used to have a trick in our family. It's a bit naughty and I shouldn't really be telling you this, but we, we were a bit mean when, when we were kids. And, you know, years ago, the postman used to actually sort of knock at the door and go, there's some money to pay on this. Somebody hasn't paid enough money to put on the postcard or whatever it was. And nowadays, and that happens here a lot, you get it, you know, and so you have to pay it. And what we used to do is send all our postcards without any stamps. And so our mother would get them, and the postman would knock at the door and he'd go, um, there's 46p to pay. And she'd say, show me. And on the back we'd go, having a great time, Mum, wish you were here. And she'd go, I've read it now, I don't want it. And she'd give it back to the postman. <laughs> Terrible thing to admit, isn't it? But, I mean, there you go. I shall probably go to prison and be hanged for all eternity. Uh, 84850, uh There is one rose among the thorns of Feltham, says Kevin. It's our little Julie. Well, we don't really class her as being in Felton, do we? We don't class that. But it is, every time we get odd people uh, around, around Twickenham, we know they've come from Felton. It's, uh, it's par for the course here. Uh, what about Ernie? Says Julie, the fastest milkman in the West, a.k.a. Binia. They called him Ernie. <laughs> like Neil, 
I like the Norman Wisdom films. Hello to Neil, Lorraine, little Ellie and family in Florida. Ha! Feltham, says little Julie, in Feltham. I know, but I bet your house is really nice, really nice. I did six milk rounds on a Saturday, and during the week in the school holidays for a couple of years at the age of 14 in the 1970s, says Jeff. This began at 6.30 and ended at 3pm. It took longer on a Saturday as we had to collect payment. I know, nobody wanted to pay, did they? Some houses could hear us coming and would have the money at the ready. Don't hear that anymore. I know some people would hide behind the settee. If I didn't have any money, I would hide and hope that the milkman would go away. Then the moment he'd gone away, I'd be, I literally would hide behind the settee. Not to, not to pay the milk bill. How sad was that? How sad was that? Um, apparently, thank you for the, uh, Rogan, for the uh, site which she sent me on where you can uh, find milkman and get everything. Uh, Colin says, I heard you say don't go there after mentioning your middle name is William and have to comment that there's absolutely nothing wrong with having William as a middle name. It's my middle name as well. Not everybody... I've discovered recently that not everybody has middle names. I think I'm quite... Uh, you, have, you don't have a middle name? See, I have middle names. But we're all the same in our family. I'm a, I'm a William. My brother's William. And my father was William. Very unimaginative, I think, my parents. Uh, Chris and Sue say you can get Born Vita on Amazon. Do you know you can get anything on Amazon? <laughs> There's nothing you can't get on Amazon. Born Vita as well. <sighs> Lovely. Love Born Vita. Is this a sport, says Barbara, with Wellington boots, perchance? One of the many commandments that got edited out of that much longer original list, Thou shalt not welly-wang. Because it was, it was quite common, wasn't it? Because they were saying about this, uh, this man who wanted to sue the company for five million, and the judges said no, it was just an unfortunate accident. You know, if they'd been negligent. But, you know, to be quite honest, once you take your welly and you wang it through your legs, that's your business. There's nothing the company can do about it. All they can do is say, this is what you do. And I should imagine there must be thousands of you listening at the moment who have not welly-wanged. And uh, for some of you, it will be a pleasant experience. For many of you, I just go and lie down and have, in a darkened room and have a drink, I suppose. When I was uh, born in Canada, Barbara was a popular name because of a well-known figure skater. At one point, there were five of us called Barbara in the same class at school. Well, now Jordan is a very popular name, isn't it? Jordan... And I'm trying to think what the other name is that's very popular. It, it's the sort of the Chantelles, which become very popular. But uh, Harry is the main one. And I think, I think that people are, are getting it wrong. They think it's Harry Potter. I think it's Prince Harry. I think people, I think people absolutely love Prince Harry because he's a bit of a bit of a rebel, a bit of a renegade, which I which I quite like. The good news is Claire Balding is fronting the Parrot Olympics. Steve says, Julie, I'll definitely be watching and showing my support. I think we should. I'm glad that we've sold 2.2 million tickets. And there's literally, you've only got 200,000 going. And people will be buying them up because it's the 29th of this month. Not long to go. And I think people are now panicking, thinking, better buy some tickets pretty quickly because otherwise there'll be nothing. And you will have to watch it on the television. Nothing to matter with that. But uh, better to be there, as they say. You have to be there to appreciate the excitement and the patriotism that will be there for the Para-Olympics. The news at six is next. It's LBC 97.3 with Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. And you're very welcome. ...with Steve Allen. I could find myself on Nick Ferrari's programme this morning at seven because uh, the reporters are going to be down at Waterloo Station talking to the commuters down there on the... Uh, the fares, which could rise still further. I don't, know, I don't know how people afford to travel on stuff now. I've got an Oyster card, but so presumably everything will be going up there. Plus also the furious market traders who spent tens of thousands of pounds on stalls for an Olympic food market claim... Uh, on a, an Olympic food market claimed they were duped 
about how many people would come past their stalls. And they're going to be talking to somebody. It's, it's a tragic story of somebody who... Um, this was Leighton Food Market. And they were told that 80,000 people would be going past every day. So they, they spent... £12,000 for the plot. They were going to do jerk chicken, sandwiches, wraps and everything else. And they didn't. They didn't. They, they didn't have enough people going past there. On the first day of the Games, they made £13. £13. And there are probably lots more horror stories. Nick Ferrari will talk about that this morning. But it's, it's the train fare protest that the proposed rises. And they now say that tens of thousands of commuters will be paying over £5,000 a year for season tickets. It's abso- it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, it's absolutely crazy. So all of that and more with Nick Ferrari this morning. Looking at uh, the papers today, uh, John McKenty, the executive diary editor at the Daily Mail. Always like seeing John in the office. Always got a nice a nice smile. And uh, coming up this morning on the morning news uh, rundown, the story which you just heard on the news with Sam Pittis, which is of the cash-strapped hospitals forced to put gynaecology patients and women who've had miscarriages in wards with men. Now, I'm, I've always been totally anti-women in the same wards as men. My mother was in a, was in a ward with men when she was in the hospital in, in Reading. And I remember thinking that, and she said, it's very noisy at night. She said, very noisy at night. And uh, I said, it's not, why are women in the same ward as men? It just didn't seem right that, it, that it, it, was, it was like that at all. Anyway, she just sort of, she read her book and kept herself to herself. But for other people, not, uh, not so good, I'm afraid. Plus the update on the fires in the Canary Islands. Well, they've had to evacuate thousands of people. Now, 4,000 people have been evacuated. And, um, and there is, but it, the main story is going to be the trains and how you poor commuters, people who travel in every day, get treated so badly. It is, it is cattle, isn't it? 90% of people who travel on the trains don't even get a seat. Unless you're in the train right at the very beginning where people... I mean, people literally barred. When we had the Olympics, and I said on the programme last week, I've never seen so many people on the trains. Yesterday, I get off... At Twickenham. It's the first time I've actually sat on the train. I said to Brian at Twickenham Station, because we always have a little chat every day. I go out and say the train was busy or the train was empty. And yesterday was the first time the train was empty. I said, sure sign the Olympics have finished. I said, but look at the weather. Now we've got grey skies and it's miserable and horrible. <laughs> he said, you're so right. So um, we'll, have to, we'll have to watch and see today. But I, it's going to be, it's just full, the, uh, the trains. And, and, and you do feel sorry for people who, who have to stand there you know, wobbling in between all these other people. Then somebody with a bike gets... You know, being bikes, it drives me mad. I don't cope very well. Um, Richard in Wapping says... There was, there was the Seaside postcard, a very fat man saying, I've lost my little willy. And there was a, there was a little boy over... It's, it was all... But nobody sends them now because you're all sending text messages. You're doing text messages and you're doing photographs. Because now... In fact, I sent one to a friend of mine the other day, Lou... Because we have this, this standard joke in the office that we're going to end up our days on mobility scooters. She th- thinks we're going to get his and her mobility scooter. So I took a picture the other day of a couple in Kingston who had, who had twin mobility scooters. And I was out in Costco the other day, and, and there was, they have a wheelchair you can buy, and they're a wheelchair. And so I took a picture of it, and she said, I don't think it'll take me. <laughs> the more I looked at it. But now that's what you can do. You can take a picture on holiday, and you can send it to somebody back home. You don't need to do a postcard. In fact, you could actually take a photograph of a postcard and send it back as a, as a message to somebody in this country. Or failing that, do what I do. A friend of mine's in Egypt at the moment. We do FaceTime. And so he says, this is the flat, this is where we're staying, this is the food, this is the kids' breakfast, this is... The... 
and you could see it all, and it's happening immediately. Probably costing us a small fortune, but it's, it's always it's always very entertaining. So that's what. And also, who can be bothered to sit down and write postcards? When you were younger, you did. You actually sat down and you'd go out and you would carefully pick your postcards to send. And if, if you, when you were kids, you didn't do the naughty postcards because we were abroad. And you would pick a, you know, here's a scene of a sunset. But when I look at the London postcards, they must have been taken donkey's years ago. Donkey's years ago. They do ten for a pound. And you think, that's lovely. And do people sit down? They do. I've seen tourists sitting down writing. You know, it's greetings from London. And it's got a picture of sort of beefeaters. Or my favourite one, of punks in the King's Road. We haven't had punks in the King's Road for about 30 years. And yet there's pictures on the postcards of the guy with the huge Mohican. And you think, I mean, he must be dead by now, surely. They're very old, the pictures. But, it, but that's what we did. You sat down on holiday. Because when you were a kid, you didn't have all the things, that, you know, the excitement that is going on at the moment where, where you're actually out there drinking. When you were a kid, you don't, you don't really think about that. You just think about going to bed, don't you? Because next day you're going to be on the beach. And, it's, and, that's, and that's what you look forward to. Uh, Paul says... Uh, Paul is, where are you? Where are you? Oh, there you are. And uh, he says, you were talking about horse racing. Uh, horse racing. I went to Newmarket on Friday as there was late night racing, followed by a concert with Tom Jones. Look, see you bark. I saw the... Uh, fantastic night. Yes, I mean, they do that a lot at the racetracks. I've noticed Kempton Park do the same, where they have a, a race evening and then there'll be music from, you know, Steve Allen and his skiffle band or something like that. I don't think Steve Allen and the, the skiffle band is going to do particularly well. You're not the only one, says Paul, who hates the hot weather. I know. I, I, I really, I promise you, I sit in air conditioning in the studio, but outside I suffer something chronic. I have to, that's why I said before, I've got handkerchiefs with me. Because I just, you can find yourself dripping sitting on the train. I did get on a train going back to Reading a couple of weeks ago, and it was packed, and it was so hot. There's no air anywhere. It's awful. He says, I loathe anything above 20 degrees. When above 20 degrees, I'm caked in fact to 50, so I walk quickly in the shade to my destination. When I arrive home, I close the door and turn on my air conditioning unit, which I had installed permanently. I live in air conditioning as well. I also live in air conditioning. I love it. I love it. I feel a bit guilty about having air conditioning. But then I think to myself, I cannot sit there and be hot. I feel uncomfortable. When I first get in the car in the morning to come in, I feel absolutely dreadful. But I was going through my emails earlier on, and I discovered an email, and I haven't, I haven't opened it yet, actually. And it's from somebody who came in on the... Pro- I don't even know what it's about, so it's going to be a bit of a surprise for all of us. Uh, you sounded poorly near the end of the show, says Noreen, yesterday. I was, actually. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't 100% at all, I'm afraid. I heard from Neil in America. He's having a wonderful time. He was just off to the Magic Kingdom. Oh, he's having a whale of a time out there, isn't he? He's having a whale. Which I was having a whale of a time out there in Florida. But I, I don't want the weather. And uh, and I got this email. Now, where is it? Where is it? It'll be it'll be down here somewhere because it came from somebody. Because you know that I'm. A, oh, here we are. Um, I'm a big, big fan of uh, fun fairs. Big, big fan of circuses and fun fairs. And and I got uh, an email from from George Irvin. Now, George Irvin. Um, as you know, runs the big fun fair up at Hampton Court. Big show family. And he came in on the programme. And I'll, I'll tell you what he did, because they have a, an event which is taking place, uh, I think it's today, actually. So I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. Do we need to take a quick break? Have a minute. I'll tell you what. He says... Um, no, I tell, I'll save it. I'm going to save George... Sorry, George. I'm going to save this just for a little bit. But uh, they're, they're doing a walk from Tower Bridge tomorrow. And uh, he says, I hope 
you will recall in the past I've done interviews with you on the fairground business at the time of the Hampton Court Fair at Easter. I'm such a big fan of fun fairs, I can't tell you. And they're such a big family, Irvings. They've got, you know, some... I've got goosebumps even talking about fun fairs. Fun fairs and circuses, I'm crackers for. But uh, he's based over in uh, Wembley because they have Irving Leisure. And so I'm going to tell you what, what the show people are doing, and I'll tell you about that in a moment. I've got so much to try and cram in on the programme. I can't believe it's going to be another hot day, and I can't believe we still haven't had the uh, Paralympics, and I can't believe I still haven't seen all the closing ceremony, but I'm definitely going to try and watch a little bit of it uh, later on. But I'll come back to George Irving's uh, email after this. LBC 18 minutes past six. It's Tuesday morning in London town. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. So, going back to George Irving's uh, email, and uh, he says, below is information on something which you may be interested in, the efforts of show people from the fairs to help others, and in particular, the 37-mile-long walk being undertaken by a group tomorrow from Tower Bridge. He says, I hope it's something you can mention, because whilst we're all proud of the Olympics and the extraordinary work of the volunteers there, this shows that people do work together in the best of ways outside major events. And um, so here it is. And this is the Showman's Children's Charity, the Molly Matthews Appeal. And uh, all funds will go to the Molly Appeal. And uh, there's going to be regular stops. They're going to do 37 miles from Tower Bridge to Chertsey. That's a hell of a walk, let me tell you. A hell of a walk. And uh, they want uh, people to sort of help them out. Uh, She has this uh, neuroblastoma. It's a very aggressive form of childhood cancer. They're hoping to raise money on the way, and I'm sure that you will do your bit. They're going to set off at 6.30 this morning. So in ten minutes' time, they're going to set off the Showman's Children's Charity. Good luck to everybody down there. It's a little-known condition, and uh, I hope that you do really well. And they've got a... You can follow it on Facebook, uh, which which is at Help Molly on Twitter, at Help Molly on Twitter. And the Facebook one is Molly's Kick Ass. <laughs> uh, 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 essay, an SS campaign, the group. So, uh, so, so good luck to everybody there. I know it's, you know it's something that will do very, very well indeed. And I hope that uh, you, do, you get a lot of people taking part. OK, a lot of people. So good luck to all the showmen and their families who are taking part on on that one. OK, and thank you for letting us know all about it. So 6.30 this morning, they're setting off from Tower Bridge. There'll be a whole, whole stack of them there and they're part of the Showman's Guild, which is based in Staines. Or it always was, actually. I wonder if it's still based in Staines. Anyway, good luck with that one, George. So Nick Ferrari and the team this morning. Bad news for commuters. It's going to cost you more if you want to travel by train, up to £5,000 and... Um, the other thing I was going to mention, this is the week. It doesn't mean anything to a lot of people, but if you're going to lose your job, and the Royal Bank of Scotland have had this policy of losing staff left, right and centre, graduates they got taken over, this is the week that 800 people from the Royal Bank of Scotland Investment Division find out whether they've got jobs or not. This is where they're not interested in whether you're a nice person. I know because I have a vested interest in this, because I know a few people who work for them who this week will find out on Friday if they're going to be made redundant or if they've actually got a job. I think they're going for 136 jobs out of 800 redundancies. It's a huge amount of people. who have worked, Some of them have worked for the bank in the investment for more than 25 years. But unfortunately, it doesn't come down to that. It doesn't come down to whether you're a nice person. It doesn't come down to the fact whether they, they think you fit in with the bank's image. It's up to the fact that can they you know, make you work and go for the sort of investment that they're looking for. 
And so it'll be done by somebody who doesn't even know who these people are. They'll look at your work record and they will then decide. And it's a really worrying time for a lot of people in banking who then, if you've given 28 years of your life to a particular bank and you think you've worked hard and you've been a nice person, and then somebody sitting up there on a computer, probably the other end of the country will go, no, she's out, she's out. And they're whittling down 800 people for about 137 jobs. It's going to be it's going to be carnage. It's going to be a lot of depressed people on Friday. So I've spoken to friends of mine who work there, and I've said, "Listen, it's in the lap of the gods. It doesn't come down to whether you're a nice person. As long as you know you're a nice person, that's all that matters." So I think about them at this particular. Time. There's always somebody to think about, isn't there? I, I worry about the Paralympics. I worry about these horrible stories of the papers about children who lose their lives. I worry about the Spice Girls. Please God, they're not getting back together. Please God, they're not getting back together. Although I suddenly realise they all have something to promote. And what were the Spice Girls promoting? The Spice Girls musical, which is opening very shortly, called I think Viva Forever or something. Sounds ghastly. I don't know who would be going to see it. Zigga Zigar or whatever it is now. If you want to be my lover... No, not you. If, if it's, you know, one of those... Well, you know, people's eyes light up when I say things like that. You know, a little bit of an Adonis in the building, I like to think. You know, a little bit of a god. You know, a little bit of a sex symbol. Or sex symbol, I think, as Dudley Moore used to describe himself. So that's why they were all promoting. George Michael was promoting his new single. The Who were promoting their forthcoming tour. Russell Brand, I don't know what he was promoting. I can't quite work out anything that Russell Brand does at all, I'm afraid. And the Spice Girls were doing the musical, and I'd completely forgotten about that. That was the only thing I'd, I'd forgotten about them actually uh, actually doing. Uh, Julie says, on the subject of the weather this week, I don't like it. Well, yesterday it was quite muggy. Quite muggy out there. Not, not my kind of weather at all, and we all suffer, I'm afraid. Uh, isn't it nice, though, Steve, to receive a letter or a card from someone far away? Well, it is, but then you get exactly the same. I mean, I think somebody's thinking about me if they send me a text or if, or if somebody Twitters. So, th- so I think that's quite a nice thing. And the reason we're not doing it is because people obviously think it's cheaper to send a text or to FaceTime somebody and, and do it better. Uh, one here. See, if we use Viber to phone the kids. Viber? Viber? It's an app on the iPhone which gives free calls iPhone to iPhone. And that's all you need to do to check out. They had a thing the other day, I went around Costco, and it was a camera system at home, which was linked into your phone or your computer, so you could watch the house while you're away on holiday. And I said to a friend of mine, I said, well, how useful is that? There you are in Florida, you log on, and you're watching somebody burgling your house. You know, you're going, that's our house. That's our house. And you're miles and miles away. So, but you're you're right, Scott, it is nice to receive a letter or a card, but nowadays, people can't be, most people can't write. People cannot write. They can't be bothered because we've lost the art of letter writing. So what they do is they send a text. And a text is much quicker. And then somebody can write back to you and say, so what's it like? And you go, I'll send you a picture. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Lee in Falconwoods. I said, I see the 607 train from Falconwood is cancelled. They've never done that whilst the Olympics were on. Uh, Kevin is working to an early grave, says Richard the Milkman. I've got 450 customers. Start at 3 a.m., Finish at 7.30, five days a week, and most of my customers pay by direct debit or cheque. He said, come and have a ride any time. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> yes, I, I, could quite, I could quite happily deliver milk. It doesn't bother me. I, I quite like that idea. I think it's very good. Um, there are two petrol stations. If you drive along the A127 in Essex, 
uh, Steve, there are two petrol stations on opposite sides of the roads, but their prices are two p a litre different. Normally, that might not be that unusual between rivals, but in this case, they're both ESO stations. <laughs> Tim in Wandsworth says, wanted to send an Olympic-themed postcard back home to the family in New Zealand, but couldn't find one. Are there postcards? Are there Olympic... There must be. There's every other sort of, of, uh, of memorabilia, so there must be. There must be Olympic postcards. Um, Philip says, I once phoned LBC from, uh, from Zion Canyon in Utah to let my family know I was having a great time. Good idea. We don't mind being used by that. Uh, Steve, Claire Balding was the best presenter ever. She should have been the anchor woman instead of the awfully weak Gary Lineker. And uh, Steve, my daughter had a little girl she longed for and called her Neva. Uh, which is heaven spelt backwards. That's quite nice. I like that. Uh, Gary says, you say George Michael was saved by doctors, not God, yet you say your friend's job is in the lap of the gods. He said, keep it... Yes, because one person is ill. She's not ill. <laughs> it's two separate things. Can't explain that to somebody who lives in Gravesend. I think the clue is in Grave and End. Uh, Russell Brand was promoting the danger of drugs. Perhaps they make him sound better. I don't know. Uh, and uh, a lot of people talking about Katie Price and this so-called forthcoming wedding, which I don't think is going to happen. I'll be very surprised. The advice to uh, Leandro is don't, because you're moving into her house. If you're going to get married to her, then sell the house and buy something that is owned jointly. Because at the moment, all she does is kick somebody out of the house and the kids just see somebody else wandering around. It's a, it's a pointless exercise, as far as I'm concerned, and it's all done just for, just for publicity. Finally, the uh, front pages of the papers this morning... As the Showman's Guild get ready to set off in about uh, about a few minutes' time, the sun on the front page, they've got tragic tears smothered, and the feel-good factor, the Brits' verdict on the Olympics, which is good news all round. The Express, uh, more on tear. The cocoa, which they say could be the secret to halting Alzheimer's disease. Jennifer Aniston engaged, which is which is good news, I suppose. The Daily Mirror, girl power till dawn. They went out partying, except. Victoria, and she, of course, doesn't look as happy as everybody else, which is a shame. And uh, tear again on the front page. The Mail, uh, they've got uh, stepping up exercise levels. Very good for you. Very, very good for you if you're in your 50s. Apparently, even a little bit of gardening can help stave off heart attacks and stuff like that. Anything that raises the heart rate, that's what the British Heart Foundation are saying. So even if you go out for a walk, it's no good having a meander walk like they do on The Only Way is Essex. You have to do a, a brisk walk, which actually gets the heart pumping. That's what you want. You want the blood pumping around your system. Just even the talk about it frightens the life out of me. Uh, the Independents, remembering the London Olympics, which is 2012 things. And, of course, the Paralympics and the phenomenal amount of tickets which have been sold. 2.2 million. There's about 300,000 left, but I think they're going fast. The Racing Post... We love the race. I don't know why I get the racing post. Every day they send me the racing post. There's no logical reason behind this. I'm not really a big fan of racing, but it has got a picture of Claire Balding on the front. The new face of Channel 4 Racing. She signed a four-year deal, but it's not an exclusive deal, so she can carry on doing other things. She's also going to be working for Channel 4 because she's covering the Para-Olympics. Daily Telegraph. So long. Farewell. Auf Wiedersehen. Adieu. And that's all the people who have uh, disappeared. Do you know more than 100,000 people sign up to volunteer? after being inspired by the Olympics, and that's what makes it worthwhile. And I think, I was glad when they singled out the volunteers the other day and said what a great job they've done, because every day on the station, they've been fantastic directing people, they've been polite, they've been interested, they all look happy. 
So well done to all the volunteers. I know a number of them are listening to LBC at this precise moment. That's it. We'll have a free podcast for you up a little bit later on this morning. Talking about your favourite thing, celebrityism, because it's in all the papers today. To beat some of the other miserable stories, I'm afraid, which we have to talk about because they're newsy. But uh, celebrities uh, have a far shorter shelf life. And that, uh, that end, they're far more entertaining for us. So we'll have that up for you later on. And you can download the proper podcast later on. And there's a blog. And you can follow me at Steve Allen Show. That's on... Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. I'm back with you tomorrow morning at four. Have a great day. It's going to be hot. Bit of rain. Usual sort of stuff. Nick and the team with you after seven. But coming up next on LBC 97.3, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. LBC 97.3.